What's up? It's Marvin of the Miles Ahead Podcast. For this episode, I did a crossover with Mike Cologne, where I was on YouTube giving a recap of the NFC and AFC Championship game, as well as a preview of the Super Bowl. You can check out the video version on the YouTube channel, MC Apostrophe S Audio. That's MC Apostrophe S Audio. Enjoy the great dialogue, but first, here's a commercial break. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 52 of the Mike in New Haven podcast. Pleasure to be back. Uh, another episode coming at you this week. If you haven't checked out my last episode, uh, please do so. It was a nice little chat with Ken Davidoff of the New York Post. He's a baseball writer. He's been covering baseball uh, in New York City for almost 30 years. He talked about those years covering those dynasty Yankee teams in the late 90s, what he thinks about uh, the current state of baseball in New York, and, of course, some of his fonder uh, memories of, of working with some great people in the industry throughout the years. As promised... I had him on in episode 43 when we broke down the NBA season, and he's back now for episode 52, ladies and gentlemen. The one, the only, Marvin McIntyre has returned. Marvin, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be here. Happy and to I'm have you. Definitely happy to um, to have a good time and let's enjoy a great dialogue again. Exactly. Again. Yeah, people loved our NBA preview, man. I got a lot of good feedback on it. It's over. It's actually past 100 views now on YouTube. So that's good. That's the most views I've gotten on YouTube to this point. So people really dug the last time when we broke down the NBA. Now we're going to be breaking down baseball. No, I'm kidding. It's an inside joke between me and Mark because he's not really a baseball guy yet. Yeah, I have to get him into that eventually. But yeah. we're going to be breaking I, down. I don't think I'll ever get into that. <laughs> never say never. But we're going to be breaking down Super Bowl 55. Of course, it's a very interesting matchup. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to try to defend their championship and go back-to-back against one of the greatest to ever set foot in a football field, Tom Brady, as he's trying to win his seventh Super Bowl as he's playing in this game for, this, for the 10th time in his career. First time not with the New England Patriots. He's doing though doing so this time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, uh, Marvin, I'll give you the floor, man. Let me, let me get your thoughts. Uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh, I'm expecting for fireworks. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely expecting for Tom Brady to... Show that he's that he still has it, and for him to continue his success, we'll see about it. But I definitely think that Patrick Mahomes is coming, and I and I'm expecting for a great show from him. And yeah, just yeah. a lot of great leadership and and a lot of um, great grit and grind from both sides of the of the football. So, so yeah. Yeah, I think we're all rooting for a very competitive game, as you do with every Super Bowl. I mean, you and I, uh, my team's not in it. The Giants, of course, they haven't been in a long time, so it's not really a, of an intense rooting interest per se. But as always, I mean, with if you're unless your team's in it, you're always rooting for an entertaining, exciting game. And I think with the teams we have in there this year and the kind of quarterbacks we have in there this year, uh, we're definitely going to get that. But before we get to the game itself, obviously it was an eventful championship Sunday. NFC Championship between the Bucks and the Packers, AFC Championship between the Bills and the Chiefs. Let's break that down first. We got a lot of pressing questions we got to get to, and once again, I'll give the floor to you on that. Yeah, I mean, um, first let's just talk about the Buccaneers versus the Packers game. Let's give our reactions to that. Um, what do you think about that one, Mike? I think, I mean, that game, we talked about it at length, both games, when we were on the phone 
uh, watching it together on, on the previous Sunday, I, I felt like, in, especially in the second half, there were times when the Bucks were almost trying to give that game away. Like, they were sabotaging themselves at times. Like, the, that first half, they played almost a flawless game. Like, especially that end of the, of the first half, Hail Mary, that Tom Brady threw that was a touchdown. I thought that that was going to finish the Packers right then and there because that, that was such a momentum shifter in favor of Tampa Bay that I thought that there right. was no way that it would be a close game after that because that was a perfect throw. Their offense was firing on all cylinders. They were stifling the Packer offense, the Bucks defense, that is. And then in the second half, they just got so sloppy. But you and I said it at the time, it, it's the Packers just never seem to be able to fully take advantage of the mistakes that the Buccaneers were making. So I thought that, honestly, it was a combination of, you know, the, the Packers not being able to take advantage and, of course, the Bucks doing just enough that allowed the Bucks to get out, get out of that game, you know, by the skin of their teeth. So I, I thought they, they were gritty. I thought that they endured pretty well. But I also thought that they were careless uh, a little bit in the second half yeah i definitely thought that they just did what they needed to do um in order to pass through to get to the next step i definitely thought that the packers definitely could have won that game and i definitely think that this is a a legacy breaker in terms of how we view aaron Rodgers now um we're not going to get into it just yet but mm-hmm. You know, his legacy was on the line for that one to me. And I think that Tom Brady, he definitely did show that he's a veteran. And he was not afraid of the moment. And that's that's the issue with Aaron Rodgers. He has that problem. You can see it on the sidelines where nobody was really, you know, engaged or, or wanted to have... Um, no one had any belief in him. So... I would just say that, you know, on the other side, when it comes to Tom Brady, on the other hand, you know, a lot of people believed in him. You could see that he was confident and just like everybody else was in him as well. So, and yes, definitely there were issues on for both sides of the game. Uh, I, it definitely did get sloppy in the first half, I mean, in the second half, but in the first half, Tom Brady, he definitely did play very well in the first half, and he did what was needed to get the victory. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he, he's he been there. He's He's been there. I mean, it's such a sports cliche. Oh, the guy that's been there, like we talked about it a little bit on, when we were doing the NBA preview podcast. But it's true. I mean, listen, this is what the Bucks were looking for. This is part of the reason why they signed him, a guy with experience like that that in the big game was not, as you said, was not going to shy away from the moment because you know what's helped. He knows what it takes to win, but he also knows the mistakes that you shouldn't make to lose that game. And did he make some mistakes in that game? Yeah, I don't want to contradict myself. He threw a couple of, uh, he th- one interception wasn't his fault, but the other ones that he threw were, were bad, especially that last one. Right. Um, but, you know, he wasn't going to, he knows enough by now at 43 years of age and 20 years in the game and six championships and, and nine Super Bowl appearances overall. Um, not only what you have to do to win, but also the cardinal sins you can't commit if you don't want to lose. And so, you know, I, I felt that that was definitely the case. And, um, you know, like I said, towards the end, they did enough to get by. But to me, I also think that it was just an intangibles game more than it was yeah. the uh, the physical football game itself. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like leadership plays a big role. So that's what I thought it was to me. 
So. Yeah, no, if you look on, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul is somebody that has experience in winning a Super Bowl. He was on that, that Giants team that beat the Patriots a second time in Super Bowl Forty Six. So how ironic is it that, you know, now they're teammates. Now he's teammates with Tom Brady as they go to the Super Bowl together. But Jason Pierre-Paul is a guy that's won before. But I, unless I'm missing somebody, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't done a deep dive on the Buccaneers roster. I think he might be the only one outside of Tom, of course, that has any experience in deep playoff runs in a Super Bowl-type environment. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. Leadership does play a role because I'm sure, listen, he was telling some of these guys have never experienced this before what it takes to win a game like this. And obviously, Tom, you know, if you look on a sideline, does Tom get frustrated sometimes? Yeah, I think all athletes with intense desire and intense competitiveness uh, like Tom get that way on the sidelines. It's natural um, in an in, in environment like that. But you'll never right, see him be dejected. It's a competitive game. Right, you'll never see him be dejected, though. He's never out of it mentally. He's always engaged. He's always, you know, trying to psych his guys up. And something like that, like you said, it is an intangible. And I think it's part, besides his talent, of course, it's part of the reason why the Bucks were so eager to bring him in. And as you see, it's a move that's paid off to this point and might culminate in them winning their first Super Bowl since, bro, since 2002. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll get to that later. Um, but let's let's move on to some of these questions. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the Bucks win? Oh, we just went over that. No. But uh, um, let's move on to the next one. Did uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers choke? That's a good one. <clears throat> That's a good one. Um, live podcasting at its finest, by the way. Uh, did, did Aaron Rodgers choke? Uh, <sighs> I mean, I felt part of it is his fault i mean i we i don't think anybody is going to sit here unless you're like a super duper duper packers homer um is going to sit here and say that he's not partially to blame for this loss but i just felt it was the whole team bro and i felt that it was kind of the coaching because we'll talk about it later so i don't want to give too much of it away but there was obviously there's one decision everybody was talking about late in that game that people felt cost the packers the game but i mean how much of it do we put on Rodgers versus the coaching and, and versus, you know, certain guys not catching certain passes? Like, there was a couple balls there Aaron Rodgers threw. Like, he he hit guys, like, right in the hands. And they would have been big yardage gains. And, you know, it, they just dropped the ball, you know? So I think it was – I think the whole team choked. I think part of the blame obviously does go to Rodgers. Because he made, he made one decision, though. Like, this is the one play that I, I looked at. I didn't realize it at the time when they showed the replay. It made sense. Right before that fourth and goal, which we'll get to later, where they made the controversial call, he had, like, oh, the pocket had opened up. And there was no defender immediately in front of him. And this is where I think he messed up big time. This is when it was 31-23. He had the pocket open. There was no linebacker there. Like, all the safeties, all the linebackers were in the end zone covering receivers and whatnot, as they should be. He could have ran, right. ran it in the end zone. He had a chance. And he's, he's not a bad runner. He's not, like, an elite. He's not Lamar Jackson as far as a rushing quarterback. But he's not like Eli Manning. Eli Manning was as stiff as they came. Aaron Rodgers is pretty decently mobile. Always has been. I think he should have ran it in there. So I think that part was his fault. But I think a lot of it was, again, a team-like effort. Guys dropping passes and, you know, some of the coaching decisions, too. I thought that he did choke. I felt I felt like that he did not capitalize on the three turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he gets three field goals, even if he's in field goal range, they still have a chance of winning that game, or, right. or they're ahead. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yes, I do think the whole t- the whole team did choke as well. But 
I think that the bulk of the blame deserves to be on Aaron Rodgers. I would give it maybe about 80% of the blame on him. 80%. Yeah. I just felt like at times he was tentative in that game. Like you talked about... Not, Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you talked about guys that do and don't shy away from the moment. We talked about how Brady doesn't shy away from the moment, something that obviously has come with experience and, and being in so many big games over the course of a, a great Hall of Fame career. Um, right. I mean, there are times with Rodgers, though, where... I mean, we've seen him go for it. Like, we've seen him make... And usually it works out well when he does because the game I go back to, bro, is that game against the Cowboys a couple of years ago... When the Cowboys went 13-3, and three, and this was like Dak and Zeke's first year, and everybody was saying, oh, the Cowboys, they might go all the way, this, and this, that, the other. Right. Bro, he made, you know, and, and I, I, we later learned that he was calling these plays himself. Mike McCarthy wasn't calling these plays. Remember those crisp passes that he was making, those deep balls that he was throwing, like perfect precision, you know, in the yeah. pocket, getting out of the pocket, things like that. So we've seen him with the game on the line go for it time and again and have it work out. So for him to be tentative in this game, I mean, percentages of how much blame we would assign to him might vary, but I, I think if I had to put a percentage, I mean, I'm going to go with an even number here, or not not an even number, not a number, but it fits well into my math. 25% of the blame, I think, goes to him. You know, 25%. 25? I say this like this, 25% him, 25% his receivers, 25% the defense, which was miserable in the first half which is why they were down so big in the first place. And then 25% some of the coaching decisions. You know, so I assigned the blame evenly. But with Rodgers, bro, I, that's the thing I didn't like. I, I felt like he was kind of, like you said, I thought he was like super duper shy in a game that, you know, with not that many years left in his career, bro, you got to, any risk that you can take, even if it doesn't work out, at, at least you could say you took the risk. Right, exactly. And what I think is, Hold on, bro. I'm starting to hear an echo. I don't hear it on my end. I hear it on my end. You sound fine to me. I'll give you a second to fix it. Uh, in the meantime, folks, please subscribe to the Mike the New Haven podcast. Leave a five-star rate and review. Subscribe to Marvin's podcast, Miles Ahead. And leave a five-star rate and review for him. And go to my YouTube channel, MC's Audio, MC apostrophe S Audio, and subscribe to my YouTube channel there. Uh, where you will get the video version of this podcast. Um, like I said, previous episode, Ken Davidoff, episode 51, New York Post baseball writer. Are the audio issues fixed? I actually don't know what it was, but it sounded like I was repeating myself. As there was, was reverb? Talking. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it might be fixed now. Okay. But but in terms of the, of the time when he could have ran it, yes, I definitely think that he could have definitely ran for that uh, – for that touchdown, because mm -hmm. he's ran for touchdowns plenty of times in his career. Right. And the, the fact that I, I can understand if Eli Manning decided to stay there and throw it, or, or a whole bunch of other quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, even even Tom Brady, he's ran it yeah. for a touchdown. Remember when he did it to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs yep. in, um, what was it, uh, 2017? Yeah, that AFC Championship game. They won in overtime. Right, so... But he's done that before, right? And this and this is why Tom Brady he was not afraid at the moment of even running. Aaron Rodgers he was afraid of running, which that he's very great at doing, and he just gave up on the play. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I would definitely give eighty percent to him because he's the leader of the offense. And plus, Matt Matt Lafleur yes he's young, yeah. But the thing is, it's his second year coaching. 
Right. So he's more so the leader than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers is more so the leader because he, he knows the team. He knows how everybody wants to go about doing things. And obviously he has some say on his offense. So that's that's what I think about the uh, the play. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing I was looking at. I'm like, you, you think honestly? Let me ask you a question, bro. You think he got tunnel vision? Because like when you're so focused on the play, sometimes you miss things that would have helped you. I think that's life. Sometimes we we get so focused that we miss something that could have served us well and whatever it is that we're doing. Do you think that maybe he just got tunnel vision that moment and, and didn't realize he had an open space to run? It's possible, very possible. But you know, with somebody with as high football IQ as him. Mm-hmm. You would expect for him to know all of his options. Right. So I can't really totally give him that. Mm-hmm. You That's know, fair. That's fair. It's a lot of players that are tunnel vision who are just going to throw at all costs. Mm. But I can't give him that one because of how of how that he has dis- displayed himself throughout his career. So. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, I'll give you that one. That's that's fair. Um, yeah, no, I I, I felt... Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think that's that's one that's gonna. There's been he's had a lot of bad losses. I think the worst one he might have had was to my Giants in uh in 2012 right. when they were 15 and one defending defending champions at the time, and Eli went into Lambeau and they dropped 37 on him. And I, and again another end of the first half hail mary to Hakeem Nix. But I think this. I mean the Giants were just they they had caught fire at the right time. They were on a hot streak. Nobody could really touch them and. And you chalk it up to that, I guess. But this one, given the fact that this game was winnable at so many different points, with plenty of time left on the clock, too, I think this right. one is, is yeah, it, you know, we'll talk about his legacy later, but it, it definitely is the, is one of the worst ones, if not the worst one he's had in his career. Right. Um, let's move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. Who deserves more blame, Aaron Rodgers or the coach for the loss? I just got on Aaron Rodgers for not running it on that third and goal because um, he had the open space, like we said. I got to get on the coach, though, even more so because say what you want about the game that Aaron Rodgers played and what he did and, and more importantly, what he didn't do um, in this right. game. Fourth and goal, season on the line, down by eight. You're at home in the NFC Championship game, chance to go to the Super Bowl. You have one of the greatest, most talented quarterbacks that's ever played the game. Why are you kicking a field goal? Like, I, that, right. I, that was one of those decisions that, you know, sometimes you don't realize how bad or good a decision is until well after the game's over. Then it dawns on you as a fan. But in, that's one of those decisions that in the moment, everybody was kind of like, huh? Like, I wasn't yeah. tweeting about it, but I was scrolling through Twitter just to see what people were saying about the game. Because obviously they were watching it too. And everybody collectively was just like, what like you're not going for it like okay like i said this before if you go for it and it doesn't work out and you turn the ball over on downs it sucks but you went for it like there's an old saying by wayne gretzky you know and i said it to you before you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take there sees on the line that's one of my favorite sayings mine too and especially as a hockey fan you know it's sees on the line down by eight like that why are you not going for it you know so i think and i would have to assign the blame evenly it's to me it's fifty percent Rogers, but it's also plenty fifty percent on the floor because that to me it wasn't just a, um, a a bad decision in terms of you know game management. It was mind-numbingly stupid <laughs> to 
to not right, go yeah. for it. I mean, if you have a so-so quarterback there, okay, fine. You have Aaron Rodgers, who talent-wise is top three all time, and it ain't three. No, it's not three. It's not. Um, but I will say that I'm going to have to place blame on both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Aaron Rodgers, he definitely could have showed up at certain instances, but even for that moment, um, for the field goal instance, for the field goal instance, mm-hmm. he should have been hounding the coach yeah. on the sideline, saying, "Why are we kicking this?" <laughs> he should have. He, he should have been like, he should have at least like taken a timeout or something mm-hmm. and said, "We should not be kicking this. Let's go for it and let's take the shot of of trying to win instead of just back it off and kicking the field goal and trusting our defense." Right. When all Tom Brady needed was just one first down. That's right, it. And he got that, and he got that, and and yeah, they almost got the ball back, and there was that controversial penalty, which we'll talk about later, <laughs> involving the refs on third down, the pass interference call, but the thing is this, it should have never gotten to that point, and not even that, but let's say, I mean, I, when I'll admit, when they were uh, opting to go for the field goal there, um, on that fourth down, I remember thinking to myself, because usually what ends up following, and we know this years of watching football and years of playing Madden, that the onside kick immediately follows. And when is the onside kick ever successful? You know, hardly ever. I mean, I know there was that moment also involving the Packers with Rodgers against the Seahawks back in 2015 where the Seahawks recovered it and they won the game. But that, you know, they call that, you know, that play a miracle in particular because it's just so uncommon. So if you have, I mean, listen, the game was in here. Hey, it was it was successful last game. You know, yeah, it was, su- it was successful last game as well, but it's, no. it's a rare thing. For it to happen, right, yeah, of course. you know, and so why even put yourself in a position where you have to take that gamble and your season comes down to that? I mean, there's a saying in baseball, uh, you don't get beat on your third best pitch. If your best pitch is a fastball at le- and you throw a fastball and a guy hits it for a home run, okay, it's your best pitch. At least you got beat on that. You didn't get beat on your slider, or your curveball. Same thing here. If your season's going to end, don't let it end because, you know, you, you, turn the, you, you didn't go for it. You, you played conservative. And all the other team had to do was just run out the clock. Let it end because your best quarterback took a shot. Your best player took a shot. And, you know, by the draw, it just didn't work out. All right. Get beat with your best option. All right. Um, Here's the next one. Is Aaron Rodgers a victim or should his leadership be questioned? If Mike McCarthy was still coaching, and we're talking with Marvin McIntyre here in the Mike New Haven podcast, crossover, by the way. Because uh, you can catch our, you can catch right. you can catch this conversation on his podcast Miles Ahead as well, which you should subscribe to. Uh, Miles Ahead podcast, leave a five star rating review. He does great work. He's awesome. Um, you know, I think if Mike McCarthy was still coaching the Packers, um, yeah, I would say Rodgers is easily a victim because those years McCarthy, as we found out with him running the Cowboys this year, even before Dak got hurt, um, he's just not a great X's and O's coach. Um, and not to mention, Rodgers had some pretty awful defenses all those years um, with the Packers, at least up until LaFleur came and they got a little bit better. But you you remember watching that NFC Championship game against the Falcons or against the 49ers. I mean, they got their doors blown off in the NFC Championship yeah. game. It wasn't even close. I felt bad for Aaron because there was nothing he could do. I mean, his defense was just, you know, Swiss cheese pretty much. And so that being said, this time around... Um, I can't, I, I think he was a victim in that there was a bad call on fourth and goal. He's definitely mm-hmm. a victim there. 
But again, we talk about percentages and how we assign blame or how we even assign credit. I think 75% of it, 25% of it is victim. 75% of it has to be his leadership. And that's not to say that he's a bad locker room guy. I don't know. I'm not there. Only people that cover the Packers would know how Aaron Rodgers is in the locker room. We don't know that. But as far as his leadership, we talked earlier about the tentativeness. We talked about some of those decisions being made late. Um, and we talked about accountability after the game. Uh, you know, accountability in terms of that particular decision, even then he kind of he said in regards to that fourth and goal, it wasn't my decision. Now, even if that's true, maybe that's not something that you want to say because it could come across as throwing your coach underneath the bus. I think we've, gone, we've gone a decade now because he won that Super Bowl in 2011 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been a decade now since Aaron Rodgers has played in and won his only Super Bowl. To not ask questions about his leadership would essentially be letting him off the hook and, and, and being biased. I think you have to ask some serious questions about what kind of leader Aaron Rodgers is. Right. Um, I think that his leadership should be in question just based on his mood on the sidelines. Yep. You know, it's not like he's it's not like he's serene and ready for the moment or or intense like and fired up. Like he's fired up just yeah. because that he's down. Mm. You know, like a Patrick Mahomes or something like that. He's not like that. Or Tom Brady or Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. He's nothing like those type of leaders. You know, whenever that you look to the sideline, you know the game's over. You know the game's over. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's true. That's true. <laughs> he's more He's more somebody where where he has to have the lead. Yeah, he's a front runner. He's a front runner. So, and a lot of analysts they don't want to give that to him. Mm. You know, like a, a whole lot of analysts. I'm not even gonna name names, but just for the sake of this podcast, I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. But but I will say this is that they don't want to expose him for not being a great leader. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's his problem. So I feel like if uh, if he was better at at his leadership role, then then they probably would have won last game. But I would also say this is that the franchise they have catered to him. They catered to him. They they've got the coach that they that they needed, mm-hmm. which they should. Um, I mean, he's their franchise player. Right, right. But you know, over the past two seasons, they're twenty six and th- twenty twenty six and three. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty six and six for the record mm-hmm. that's great you know and they've been over the two nfc title games and they almost won i mean no they did not almost win the first one but they gave him they, they have given him weapons and he just hasn't came up with the right plays or done the right things in order to capitalize and get to a super bowl i agree how much more because, can you do yeah because he knows what's on the line and he knows that his career is at stake. And I think that if he would have just done things correctly, he would be exactly where he need, where he should be, which is a State Farm matchup <laughs> between Patrick Mahomes and uh, Aaron Rodgers. But we're not going to get that. Yeah, so. the, the, at least, you know, maybe next year. Who knows? But it, the Rodgers rate versus the Patrick price won't happen. But you talk about leaders, and for all my hockey fans watching this, You'll understand this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, Mark my Mark Messier Rangers jersey. You know, one of the reasons he's one of the greatest of all time, obviously when it comes to hockey. But one of the reasons that Mark was such a great player was he was also a great leader. It was the same thing. He was like the Tom Brady of hockey in that he was never down. He was never out. 
it was always intensity and, and, and drive right up until the final buzzer, right up until the clock hit triple zeros. And he never let his guys feel down. Even if he was feeling some type of way during a game that wasn't going the Rangers way, he had a great poker face to where you could never, ever see that. He encouraged guys to play to their maximum. And I just don't feel like Aaron Rodgers does that. And that's not the mark of a champion. Because, hey, you know, listen, right. you look at Brady, you look at Mahomes to this point, you look at Messier. Messier won six Stanley Cups in his career. And part of that, of course, is great leadership and not just how you carry yourself, but how your attitude affects the guys around you. I agree. Yeah. Now let's go over to the next one. Dang. I'm hearing the, the echo again, bro. That's uh, all right. So we, while you take care of that, uh, more plugs. You actually, you know what? Live podcasting is fine. So let me get my water real quick. Um, Be right back. The setup of my of my show. That's why I said it. I'm, this is not a. <laughs> it's not the most professional thing in the world. And I mean that in a good way because, you know, honestly, uh, yeah, it is. I I'll get up and get a water in the middle of the pocket. I actually used to do that before I started introducing the Zoom method of recording. I used to do that often to where my guests will be talking, and they had enough sense to keep talking while I went and got a water. Um, yeah, I gotta get some water too. I got a water bottle right here. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll take second. we'll take a water break here. The Mike Davidson podcast. All right. Um, and I'll and I'll keep spitballing. I am working on a few guests while Marvin gets his water. Um, I am working on a few guests for the show. Um, I mentioned retired NYPD detective, first grade Irma Rivera. Uh, I'm in the final stages of confirming a date with her, and she'll be joining the show at some point next month. I don't want to say the exact date, but. Um, she'll be on the show pretty soon, let's put it that way. Um, I'm also working on some other folks. Um, I don't want to say who because I want them to be able to come on and I don't want to spoil it, but retired NYPD detective Irma Rivera is the one I'm comfortable saying uh, will be on the show pretty soon. So look out for when that drops. For all you police off the cuff fans listening to this podcast, I hope you'll watch my chat with her. So, uh, yeah, we're back now on the Mike Newhaven podcast after a water break and uh, me uh, getting my flash drive as well that break and the next question on the list marvin mcintyre take it away has aaron Rodgers ever been a clutch quarterback when you when we you know when you were um talking to me about this on sundays this came into my mind and this is about to be this might be some wild slander you know and i say that jokingly of course i don't i don't want to actually slander anybody because i don't want to get sued um (laughs) but um i'm thinking Aaron Rodgers has had a few clutch moments in his career, right? You're going to love this comparison. I mentioned the game against the Cowboys, right? He had that great game. Even the game he lost against the Cardinals, it wasn't his fault because the defense just got torched. That was a shootout. That's the game they lost like 51-45. So, I mean, he had clutch moments in that game. He threw a Hail Mary in that game that tied the game. Um, Like, you know, he's played some great games in his career. I'm thinking to myself, though, is Aaron Rodgers, this is where you're going to love it, is Aaron Rodgers the Damian Lillard of the NFL? <laughs> because, you know, think about it. Dame has had, like, Dame has had a few moments, right? He hit that shot against the Rockets back in 2014 that won the series and sent him to the second round um, against the Spurs. Then he hit that shot. I think there was another shot he hit before the one against OKC. What was that other crazy shot that he hit um, that people were going up in arms about? This is prior to OKC. I don't think it was against Houston. I think it was against somebody else. 
I think it was just OKC. Yeah, I think okay. So he has that shot against uh, Houston in 2014. Then he has that shot against OKC that knocks them out the first round, and they go to the second round and whatnot. And so that kind of changed the perception of Damian Lillard to where we kind of give Damian Lillard more credit than we really should give him. So that being said, that's why I asked that question because, you know, although they've had their fair share of, wow, that was clutch-type moments, would you define their whole career as clutch? That's a, that's, that's a fair question. That's what I'm saying. So I think he's kind of like the Damian Lillard of the NBA, where if not for those few moments, how would we perceive Aaron Rodgers? That's a very great... Um comparison but i cannot go that far <laughs> Leave it to i can't me. go that far because aaron Rodgers is a champion so i can't go that far right yeah he is he is he has won you know even he if it's been a long won. time ago so he's i gotta won. give him his credit right i gotta give him his credit yeah but i will say this he has dwindled in terms of how close he is mm-hmm. and i will say that he only seems to be clutch in the divisional round yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that's it's, actually it's, a hallmark it's of It's never career. the NFC um, title game. Right, yeah. And it's a lot of times where people want to blame the defense. Mm-hmm. But I think some of that is on him as well. Yeah, for sure. So that that's where both sides need to take blame in that situation. So I think I'm going to go with um, Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's not clutch. But he's more like, I would say, like, in comparison to, like, a Steve Young, mm-hmm. who wasn't really considered clutch at all either, mm-hmm. where he kind of needed uh, Deion Sanders to to help with the defense in order for him to, to get to where he needed to be. But they've had, so, Steve Young had his moments, too, because I'm not just talking about the year they won the Super Bowl in 1994, but if you remember, there was a great game against the Packers, Brett Favre and the Packers. They were coming off of back-to-back trips to the Super Bowl after they beat the Patriots and lost to Elway and the Broncos, where in 98, the 98 playoffs, but it was really early 99, it was just a 98 season, they, Steve Young had that game against the Packers where he threw that game-winning touchdown to Terrell Owens with like right. 10 seconds left. So maybe that changed the way that Steve Young was perceived because we don't know how they were covering Steve Young in 1998, 1999. But, you know, yeah, I... I, well, I, I promise you. Promise you, if he was playing today, mm-hmm. he'd be covered just like Aaron Rodgers. Probably, right? He'd have to be. Yeah, it's a good comparison because I think Aaron Rodgers, to say that he doesn't have the clutch factor would be wrong because he's shown he can handle himself in the big moment because he's happy. Like he said, he has he had moments where he's dwindled? Yeah, he just dwindled this past Sunday, in my opinion, in your right. opinion too. But he's had moments where he's excelled. So while you would, he, while he doesn't have this consistent, consistent pattern of being clutch all the time or at least a vast majority of the time he doesn't have a consistent pattern either of choking all the time either so i would say he's not clutch for his career but he's adept he has a consistent pattern of choking but it's only in the nfc title game you could expect for him to show up in the division around with the wild card not 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 in the wild card right Mm -hmm. but not in the time where it matters most which is the conference championship game because i mean well how much blame will we assign each nfc championship loss i mean let's think about the games that the packers have lost including this past sunday okay so this past sunday against the bucks last year didn't they get their doors blown off by the 49ers in the nfc championship yeah. game yeah they did then but there yeah then they got blown I, out the, by the falcons 
I, I would give him a lot of the blame for that one. Niners for last one? year's game. For, for last year's game. Mm. Um, because of how he played and his uh, his leadership on the sideline. It wasn't really good either. Yeah. But in, ter- but in terms of the one where he lost to Colin Kaepernick, it was more so bad defense. Yeah, you can't really do anything about that. Yeah, that was, that was just... Um... Colin Kaepernick, that was when Colin Kaepernick was on one. Like, this is before, right. like, you know, as, uh, somebody said this the other day, this is before people learned how to stop Colin Kaepernick. Uh, so that one's a little, yeah, that one's a little bit different. The, the one that he lost against the Seahawks, that was special teams. Special teams blew that one. That wasn't, that really wasn't his fault. There was nothing he could do about that. Special- but I would also say that it was, he, he was also injured that game too, I would say. Yeah, so, I mean, it, there's a fair amount of blame that you could assign to him. And there's also a fair amount of blame that you could, some of them are his fault. Some of them are not, you know, but the the last two, I think it would be fair. And obviously, I mentioned the Falcons one. There was nothing he could do about that. that the, like I said, the defense just got torpedoed in that game. He couldn't do anything. But um, yeah, I think this this these last two years, yeah, it's kind of healthy to assign the blame to him there. Right. Um, let's move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. Will Aaron Rodgers ever get back to a Super Bowl? I mentioned this to you the previous Sunday. Um over the phone and I raise this here on the podcast as well I'll never say never because I made the joke I mean we all remember when Brett Favre was going through that period where oh I'm retiring I'm then I'm not retiring and I am retiring again and I'm coming back and he went to the Vikings and at 95 years old joking of course he brought him to the NFC championship game where had it not been for him losing his mind for a second and choosing to throw a pass across his body which, if as any old-school football fan will tell you, that's the cardinal sin for a quarterback. Never throw across your body. He did that, and, you know, had it not been for him throwing that costly interception, Brett Favre was, like, 40-something years old, about to bring the Vikings to the Super Bowl. So, and Brett Favre, on a talent level, would we say that Brett Favre is as talented as Aaron Rodgers? No. That's not to diminish Brett Favre. Brett Favre had a great career as a Hall of Famer. But he's obviously not as talented as Rodgers is at, at that position. And Rodgers is a little bit younger than Favre was when Favre was with the Vikings about to bring him back to the Super Bowl until that moment. So I would have to say, uh, it, I'll never say never. I mean, I, it would not surprise me if at this time next year, even amidst all this uncertainty with, oh, Aaron Rodgers, what about his future? What's he going to do? Things like that. It wouldn't surprise me if we're laughing at this conversation that we're having right now, a year from now, as the Packers are getting ready to play in their first Super Bowl since 2010. Honestly, I don't see it happening. That's fair. Your reasons, though? I, I don't see it happening because of teams getting better. Yeah. I think that the older that Aaron Rodgers gets and the more that his athleticism dwindles, mm-hmm the more that he will be sustained to be able to get, that he will not be able to be sustained to be able to take those hits. And I feel like there's certain teams that are just a quarterback away or like a certain cornerback away from being where they need to be. Right. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's 37 years old and he turns 38 in like December, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's going to help the fact that he's getting older. And plus, like, his game does rely on a certain level of athleticism as well. So I don't know if I could really give him that as well. And then, like I said, you know, you got Seattle. Um, they're coming together. Um, 
it's taking taking some time. I think they need one more receiver, and maybe about another good running back on their side as well. Mm-hmm. And plus, like they need some time to gel together as well. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: Russell Wilson, he's a better leader than Aaron Rodgers is. Better leader than Aaron Rodgers is. But I will say this as well: um, I feel like the the Rams, they're about a quarterback away as well. Yeah. From getting to the Super Bowl. And their defense is elite. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, if we don't really know if Aaron Donald would have played the entire game, that they would have been able to come up and win that game. And and not right? only that, yeah, I mean that's a fair point. Let's keep in mind the other teams in the NFC West. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray. They got off to a pretty good start. They faded late. But I, I don't see them going away. And let's not forget, the prior to this season, the def- previous defending NFC champions, the 49ers had a lot of injuries. This was just a lost year because of so many different injuries that they suffered. If the 49ers are healthy next year, because I, really, I don't really blame the coaching staff for what happened. They had so little to work with because they were just decimated. If they're right. healthy and back to 100% condition next year, Who's to say the 49ers won't be a difficult team to stop? I'm not giving up on the Niners. And did you hear? They could get Matthew Stafford. They could because Matthew Stafford wants out of Detroit. I mean, that's looking real good for them. Yeah, if they they get Matthew Stafford over to the Niners and they decide to part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, I could – that would look great, you know, because Stafford's still got a lot to give. I would love it. I mean, I would love it if he ended up – I love Daniel Jones, but I wouldn't complain if Stafford became a giant. But I think, hey, don't don't underestimate this, and we'll kind of talk about this guy later on, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if Matthew Stafford's uh, starting uh, games next year for a certain team up in Massachusetts. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Um, now let's go over to the next one. Mm-hmm. How should the refs be viewed for this game? I feel like I don't want to be this guy that always just – goes after the refs and the refs stink and the refs do stink in not just football but like in all sports you yeah. know in in baseball they've had their moments they've had their moments for sure but like for the majority of the time like especially in basketball i find this to be the case the refs are awful um right you know so i i don't know because you you get to a point with the referees where you you just you keep trashing them long enough it just gets to be redundant because eventually the players got to play and you can't always assign blame to those wearing stripes, but I felt that they just, they called such a ridiculously bad game. Like, they, they there were some really stupid calls, and that pass interference call, I, I mean, I know he tugged on the jersey a little bit late in the game, and this is what I wanted to talk about. There was, of course, that infamous uh, third down P.I. call where, right. uh, the you know, the Packers defense gets called for pass interference, and if had it had it been uh, no flag, you know they the Packers would have gotten the ball back and would have had one more chance to go down the field and try to tie this game. And who knows what would have happened? Would they have done that? Would they have not? We don't know. We'll never know. But um, that being said, you know, and I, I've said this rule before. And and Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe, who's a legendary NBA writer, has this rule too. You know, he says his line is the line, the mindset of a referee should be why are here why are people here to watch this game they're not here to watch this game because of me and you don't want to be the guy or the gal that makes the call that draws all the attention away from the field or from the court or from the ice 
to you, especially if it's a bad call there. And I felt that that PI call was a bad call and that, okay, if it's blatant, then yeah, call it. If it's an obvious penalty, throw the flag. You should. You have to. But right. they had not been calling certain things throughout the entire game. If you're gonna call, if you're gonna call pass interference, for example, and I bring that up because that's the most relevant penalty of this particular game, call it right. evenly. Even if we don't agree with the way it's being called, at least you're calling it consistently. They were not for the first three quarters, and you would think in a right. time like that, they say swallow your whistle, swallow your whistle, and keep your flag in your pocket. Unless it's right. something obvious, then yeah, call it. And I felt that that really... I mean, the Packers... I won't say they cost the Packers the game. The Packers cost the Packers the game. But right. they really... It wasn't their finest hour. I'll put it that way about the refs. But again, this is a common theme with them. Yeah, I thought they were highly inconsistent as well. Mm-hmm. I felt like they definitely did not have to call the last one. Mm-hmm. Especially since, you know, it's a let them play. Like, they were letting... The cornerbacks get off on the Packers throughout the whole entire game. They yeah. missed, like, quite a few calls yeah. that should have been called a pass interference, and they didn't call it. Mm-hmm. So if they're talking about letting them play, they should have let them play for the last one as well. And I felt like that wasn't right. But reps, they have always been inconsistent. And not only that, you know, nicely. the game, the game, it, it was a late call, yeah. right? Very late call. Very late. They were talking about that on the um, on the broadcast, and they were talking about how late it was, and I felt like if, if they would have had another shot, it's very possible they could have won the game. But like I said, in the demeanor, it was over. And we already know that we already see that Aaron Rodgers, he cannot come up with it in the clutch. So I think that the refs – they played a part, but it was not as significant as people want to say it is, you know, or believe yeah. it is. I feel like they play a part, but it's always up to the players as well to um, to combat whatever the refs do. Yeah, it wasn't like Saints-Rams a couple years ago where that was an obvious penalty that right. wasn't called. Right. Like that, that was, was crazy. A, yeah, that was a that royal screw-up. That was a royal right. mistake. You know, this wasn't that. It was bad. But it wasn't that level of bad. I will, for the sake of being fair, I will say that. Right. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. What it? Wait, hold on. All right. Was it Tom Brady who won the game, or was it the defense? Mm. We talked earlier about how Tom Brady did what he had to do, um, to get by. It was not his crispest performance. We said no. that, you know, last week. Of, we'll say it again here. Um, he didn't, I mean, listen, he, he he had a great first half. He just had a really bad second half. And the Packers, to their credit, listen, in fairness, I know we're bashing them for their late-game decision-making um, and things like that, but they had, for as bad a first half as they had, they redeemed themselves somewhat with a pretty decent second half. They made that game close. Right. They had a chance to tie it, obviously. So it was kind of like a, a, a switch got flipped because... The Bucks were firing in all cylinders in the first half, and then, you know, they kind of got a little careless, like we talked about earlier in the second. If I had to assign who deserved a majority of the credit, is this to say that Tom Brady deserves no credit? No, of course not. He deserves credit. Um, I would give a majority of the credit, though, to the defense. I think the defense really, even um, the questionable coaching calls by LeFleur notwithstanding, 
they bared down when they had when they had to. And listen, is are they a lockdown defense? No, they're not going to remind anybody of the uh, the two thousand Ravens or the two thousand fifteen Broncos or uh, you know the team or the eighty five Bears that had you know legendary defenses. Um, but they're a defense that they're the classic case of bend don't break. The Giants of two thousand eleven were this way. Um, when they beat Tom Brady the second time, they would bend, but they never, ever broke. You know, they were always able to make defensive stands when they had to. I think that's, that was the Bucks' case when they needed to make defensive stands really right up until that last little play in, um, in, in, in the red zone up eight. I, I felt that they were great at that. So if I had to decide who deserved more credit, I'm saying the defense broke. I'm going to give it to a little of both. Uh, I think that the defense played very well. They definitely did get to Aaron Rodgers. Um, they were able to take advantage of the O-line being weak a little bit. And I would say that they were able to, to get an interception for Scotty Miller to be able to get the touchdown. So, you know, if if that play doesn't happen, then you can make the case that the Packers are still still in the lead for the game, so I'm gonna have to give. Aaron, I'm gonna have to give Tom Brady and the uh, the defense credit. Yeah, that's fair. I would I would say this may, maybe about about a 50-50 split. Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, that makes sense because you know, it was a tale of two halves, like I said. Right. Right, it's it's not like Tom Brady had the best game, and it's not like he had the worst game either. It right, was kind no, of yeah, like, that's right. true. That's true for sure. No, I, I think the first half is Tom Brady, completely because like I said, they played a very crisp first half. They were firing on all cylinders, and the second half was the defense. But um, yeah, no, I I just give more credit credit to the defense because on those turnovers of which there were many in the second half, um, they stood right. they stood down and did what they had to do when they had to. Right. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Um, could Joe Montana have done the same thing that, that Tom Brady did? Yes, because he almost did it. And he, people, people, young, older football fans will remember this, or, or fans like Marvin and I that have done their homework will, will know this. But for those of you who are younger, um, Joe Montana finished up his career with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was basically on his way to doing what Brady has done before Brady even got to the league, because people forget, um, he took the 1993 Chiefs after the 49ers had opted to go with Steve Young as their quarterback going forward and let go of Joe. Joe went out to Kansas City to play for, ironically enough, the Chiefs who are about to play in their second consecutive Super Bowl. They went to the AFC Championship game, Joe's first year right. there, against the Buffalo Bills, who they just got done beating in this AFC Championship game. It's crazy how things go for a circle. Um, and Joe got knocked out of that game with a concussion. Um, and so he had to sit on the sideline while the Bills won that game and went on to go to the Super Bowl where they got their doors blown off by the Cowboys um, again. So that being said, um, Joe, yeah, could he have done it? Yeah, because he almost did it. And had it not been for the fact that he got concussed in that game, he would he would have done it. So he would have, and you know, he, he would have played, I think, is that the, no, that's not the year they, they played the Niners. I think it, no, I think it actually might be, I, I, I might be, 
No, yeah, they lost to the Bills. Never mind. They lost to the Bills, so it wasn't that year. But no, he almost, you know, this is the year before the 49ers won the Super Bowl, because this is 93. The 49ers won the Super Bowl in 94. He almost did it in 93. So, yeah, there's no, there's not a doubt in my mind that if Joe Montana was playing today and the Niners had done the same thing to him today, if he doesn't get concussed like he did in that game, yeah, he does. This, no, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I, I would say that Joe Montana, uh, that I, I would take him over Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see why other people would have, would, would take Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the fact that Tom Brady has even gotten to this one, I would have to actually give the edge to um, to Tom Brady in terms of who's the better quarterback for now. Yeah, no, yeah. And even if, I'll, I'll say this, and we'll talk about the game itself later. Even if Brady does not win um, next week, or not next week, but because no, uh, um, a couple weeks from now, I don't think it really hurts his legacy. Because no, of, I don't think so. Either. Yeah, because there's no if there's, there's no shame in losing to this kind of a quarterback, which we'll talk no, about later. Definitely so yeah, not. no, I I, I would no. agree with your assessment. But uh, but I would say that I I can agree. I think that Joe Montana would definitely get to a a Super Bowl if if he had the same amount of weapons as Tom Brady did. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Joe, Joe was an effective quarterback, really. Joe never right. had a drop off. That's the thing about Judge. Right. It, it's not like it's. It wasn't like Peyton Manning at the end, where it was like, "Oh yeah, Peyton, it's time." Like we, everybody knew it was time right. for Peyton to retire. Exactly. That yeah. didn't happen with Joe. Joe just got injured. It was just unfortunate. He got he got a concussion. There was nothing he could do about it. But he was right. a, he was an effective quarterback. It's not like his. It's not like he went to Kansas City and sucked. No, he took him to the AFC Championship game. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Should people compare Tom Brady to MJ? Don't you have to? Because we were. I was listening to this debate the other day on a podcast I listened to called The Kirk Minahan Show, which is a Barstool Sports Podcast. Um, and they they were doing the Sports Mount Rushmore. Like, who would you throw on a Sports Mount Rushmore? Like, baseball, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's... You can throw different people on there. Like, they were saying Babe Ruth maybe is a guy. Cause, but, but think, well, baseball is different because there's so many great athletes and legends that have played in that particular sport. But let's focus on, like, the NBA, NFL, NHL, Mount Rushmore. You're not a hockey guy, obviously, but you know who Wayne Gretzky is. So who belongs in the hockey Mount Rushmore? Obviously, Gretzky. Um, NBA, MJ. Um, NFL, you have to put Brady up there. I think you kind of have to make that comparison in terms of impact, in terms of consistent excellence in terms of there never being a drop-off in production in terms of transcending the game is tom brady a transcendent once-in-a-lifetime athlete like patrick mahomes is or like steph curry or lebron james is uh or let michael jordan was no uh tom brady's was never is has never been known as a great athlete but in terms of the consistency in terms of the um constant drive to want more and never settle I think you have to compare him to MJ because, you know, when you talk about the sports Mount Rushmore, I mentioned Gretzky. Gretzky shattered the – he won championships. He won four Stanley Cups. He shattered the record books. Um, he, he put up records and numbers that will never, ever be broken, ever. But in terms of um, impact, I think Tom Brady's impact is, uh, on sports as a whole is greater than any MLB legend, and I say that as a massive baseball fan. It's greater than Gretzky's, and I say that as a massive hockey fan as well. And I think it's equal to MJ. Because when you do I mean, think about it. Somebody made this comparison, bro, and I want to see what you think about it. Imagine MJ, when he came out of retirement, 
the third time, the, why did I put up four fingers? The third time, <laughs> as there's the right amount of fingers. And imagine him taking the Wizards to the finals. Imagine if he did that and won a chip with the Wizards. I don't know if Brady's going to win with the Bucks. We'll see. But, you know, just imagine if he took the Wizards to the finals after all those years winning championships with the Bulls. This is basically that. You have to make the comparison. I disagree. Oh, okay. I don't, right. I don't think that he should be compared to Michael Jordan uh, because MJ is undefeated. Okay. Oh. Could, oh, we're going no, there. Look, look, look that 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 has to do with it. Mm-hmm. It has to do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and to me I think it would make more sense if people compare Joe Montana to Michael Jordan that it would be to Tom Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I would say that he's more so one of the best leaders. He's not one of the best athletes. You know, I I would more so give the edge to the greatest football player to Jerry Rice because he's 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 um he's broken all the records, right? Kind of like a, a Wayne Gretzky and he's won. Yeah. You know, I can't really say that I can't really like if I look back uh 50 years from now or whatever or let's say let's say like you know 50 years into the future and I look back I would not be thinking of uh, Tom Brady as 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 a Mount Rushmore athlete. I will be thinking of potentially Patrick Mahomes as a Mount, as a Mount Rushmore athlete because of his impact. If we want to talk about impact, if we want to talk about impact, Patrick Mahomes his his ability to to take over games and his leadership it can be on display for the next. 10 years, I'm not saying that he's going to win as much as Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but I don't think that he has to in order to be considered the greatest football player ever. I, I think, though, I, you know, when you look back, and we're talking about Marvin McIntyre here on the Mike Newton podcast, um, it, it would be hard to discount a guy that's gone to what's going to be 10 Super Bowls and won six of them. It's not like, you know, again, it's, it's kind of like LeBron James, except LeBron James, or at least for now, does not have a winning record in the NBA Finals. Um, yeah, right. You know, he's I mean, four look, and six. Brady's six and three. Sh- right, right. We we should not we should not compare LeBron to to um to Tom Brady at all. Right. That's disrespectful. No, I'm not. I'm not making the comparison That's there. But I'm saying, you know, in terms of how many times he's been. And if you think about this, LeBron, he's not on the Mount Rushmore. Okay. Yeah. I I would consider like Tom Brady more like a Magic Johnson, Ooh, that's more like a, one. more like a Magic Johnson. You know where where he's won and he's lost. But, it, but here's here's the but, thing but, though. But he's, he's still the most accomplished quarterback to ever play. Yeah, but here's you know here, my thing is this, and I don't mean to cut you off. It's just when you look back on the Mount Rushmore fifty years from now, like you said, let's say Tom right. Brady wins this uh, a couple Sundays from now. Let's say he beats the Chiefs. The man will have won seven Super Bowls. If if that's his final career total, if his final career total is seven, we can't we can't discount that because it's not like Robert Ory winning seven championships. Where Robert Ory was obviously not the best player on any of those teams. He was a role player that happened to be in the right place at the right time. Tom Brady, off more times often than not, on each of the championship teams he's been on, he's been the main catalyst. He's been. One of the main reasons, if not the main reason, that they've won the Super Bowl. So to not put him on the Mount Rushmore, especially if he ends up winning this seventh championship, 
I, I don't know if you could sell me on that one, bro. Yeah, but is it is it not only just like it's it's a lot of things that go into making um into making a winning player. It's it's Adam Vinatieri. Mm-hmm. All right, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah. And it's it's obviously Tom Brady as well. I feel like you know without without some of his throws, some of the plays that he made, they would not be where they are, but uh, where he is, um, in terms of his career. Mm. But but I would say that if we, um, you know, if you just if you just want to go off of impact, obviously he's very impactful. But I feel like what what what. What we are seeing now from Patrick Mahomes, we could potentially see the greatest football player of all time. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, that's that's a fair point because I mean, well, talent wise, yeah, Jerry Rice is up there for sure. Because people forget. I mean, again, I mean, I mean, younger fans forget because older fans don't. But or like I said, fans have done their homework. Jerry Rice. And not like, only is it talent, not only is it talent, it's also accomplishment as well. Yeah, you know, because even I was gonna say, even even though the Raiders did not win the Super Bowl because they got blown out by the Bucks right. when John Gruden was coaching them, Jerry Rice was forty years old, something like that, helping the Raiders get to the Super Bowl. Right. At forty, you know, this is you know, right. this is after yeah. if this is after the Niners dumped him because To was the flavor of the month. I mean, that was forty. So right. let's talk about consistency. Yeah, but I, I will say before we move on though. As far as the most talented football player, how dare you, sir, discount the one, the only, Eli... No, I'm kidding. I was going to say, Lawrence Taylor, though, is up there in the discussion, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Of yeah, Lawrence course. Taylor, you got to throw Lawrence Taylor in there as far as, you know, yeah. removing positions. As, as far as the most talented football player to ever sat on the field, on the defensive side, Lawrence Taylor's got to be the greatest. Like to, like, to me, I don't even think that... I don't think that Tom Brady is a top 10 athlete of all time. No. Yeah, I, I think most people would agree. But, but... A lot of people they're trying to make that case just because of what he's done. Mm-hmm. But I will say this is that he's the most. He, you can make the case that he's the best leader of all time. Yeah. That that, that that I will not try to discount. You know, like I said, I will compare him more to a Magic Johnson than I would a LeBron James. I feel like I I, I have Magic Johnson over LeBron James still, and and that. That that is a more better comparison for me, um, you know. But I, I would not compare Tom Brady to Michael Jordan. Um, to me, I think that that more so goes to athlete and also accomplishments. Is Tom Brady so, a top five leader all time in your eyes? I think he's definitely top five. Okay, yes, top. sir. I, I I would put him top five if I combined all the sports right now. Yeah, I'd have to right. put him top five, for sure. Right, but but as far as like Mount Rushmore athletes, oh yeah, you know, athletes. Okay. Right, athletes. Yeah. You, he's not like, there. Compare, right, right. You, you like I'm not trying to say like he's not a good athlete, but but what I would say is that if you want to talk about if you want to talk about accomplishments and athleticism, that's why Michael Jordan is so high. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why. Um. That's why certain players are so high, you know, and that's why I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes. If he wins and he puts up great numbers again, mm-hmm. that's why. That's why that his impact will, will will supersede Tom Brady because of that reason. Because of his athleticism and what he does, um, in the um in, in the 
on the field. So all that stuff with the accomplishments, all that stuff has to do with uh, with how he should be viewed on the Mount Rushmore stage. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, now let's move on to the next question. Uh, we we just talked about some of this. Yeah. Uh, is Tom Brady the greatest leader? Uh, wait, hold on. Is is Tom Brady the greatest of all time, or is he the best leader? For me, he's the. And I said this before. He's as far as quarterbacks go. And I'll I'll say this line because my listeners have never heard it. Neither of yours. You've heard it in our conversations off the air, but. Tom Brady, to me, is the greatest quarterback of all time. If you said, however, if you said that you had Joe Montana as the greatest of all time, I would not disagree with you. That's one of those things where I would not get mad at you. I would understand if you right. had Joe Montana as your number one all time. That's totally fair. If it's, it's, right. You know, it's, it's kind of like as well, um, yeah, to, again, to use a baseball comparison, my baseball uh, or not a baseball, excuse me, a hockey comparison. All my hockey fans will understand this. If you want to sit here and say, I'll, like I'll say Wayne Gretzky's the GOAT, but if you want to sit here and say that Mario Lemieux or uh, Gordie Howe is your GOAT, I wouldn't get mad at you because that's totally fair. For me, is he the greatest athlete of all time like we just covered? No. Greatest quarterback right. of all time? Yeah. Greatest leader of all time? I, there, there, there's been a lot of great leaders. You're right. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a star player. How many times have we seen on certain teams in any sport where the leader is the veteran that maybe doesn't play that much, but he's such an excellent leader? You know, right. he really knows how to rally the troops. How many times has it been a guy like that? You know, we don't really, we don't, it's it's hard to put that kind of uh, uh, an intangible um, into its proper context because... It's an intangible that doesn't necessarily have to belong to a star player. If it does, great, because then that makes that star player the total package. But it doesn't have to. Is he the greatest of all time in terms of football player? No. We would both say Jerry Rice. I would kind of have to say Lawrence Taylor, too, as far as skills at the, and, and as far as um, impact. Is he the greatest quarterback of all time? In my mind, yes. All right. Is it still up for grabs for you? I mean, if Patrick Mahomes carves out this insane career where, where he wins a bunch of championships and continues to rewrite the record books like he's already done, then yeah. I don't want... the Patrick Mahomes is the only reason I haven't shut the door. And right. I think a lot of people feel that way. If Patrick Mahomes right. was... Like, like Deshaun Watson, right? Am I saying Deshaun Watson's an average quarterback? No, Deshaun's very good. And Deshaun is, is a guy that, listen, if, if he got traded to, I, this is not going to happen, but if he got traded to my Giants tomorrow, I'm not complaining, you know, obviously. Right. But is he a transcendent potential to be an all-time great quarterback? No, I wouldn't say so. Patrick Mahomes is different, much different. Right. And the right. fact that he has come along and the fact that he has done what he's done to this point in his career and he's not even, I don't even think he's 25 yet. Is he 25? I think he's 25. Yeah. Oh, he's not even close to 30, and he's only had... He hasn't even had five years in the league yet. And the fact yeah, that he's he, already... He's not in his prime. Right, he, his and prime. that's the scary part. He Imagine when he hits his prime years, and he's already yeah, doing all this stuff. It's I, That's it, another level. That's that's, that's why it's level. still up for grabs, because I, I he's, he's the only reason I, I won't shut the door on that debate. Right. I, I would say that... I would say that he is... 
I, I would, I would, I would, hold on. I would edge him over um, Joe Montana because he did get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would edge him that. I would edge him that because we never did see Joe get to the Super Bowl despite we us believing that he would have got there. So, but I, I would edge him over Joe Montana right now. But would I take him on my team? I would take Joe Montana. That's that that that's how I'm viewing it. But, you hang on, just but, to clarify what you said earlier, as far as, um, that, that confused me a little bit. Joe Montana never got to Super Bowl, despite us thinking that he was going to get there, that he wasn't going to get there. For for his last for his last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, okay. All right, there. All right. Yeah, yeah, I was a little confused for a second. That's my bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. so I'm, yeah, it's true. But yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously, Joe got there, and he and he's won four Super Bowls and he's undefeated. But the um, but the thing is, is that when it comes to um, like Tom Brady getting to another one or or the amount of times that he's been there, I'm gonna have to give the edge to Tom Brady. I'm gonna have to give the edge to Tom Brady, especially for this one. When when we did not really expect for him to go there, we actually had the Packers going there. So I'm going to have to give the edge to Tom Brady over Joe Montana as of now. No, yeah, I thought, you know, I I I made my, my cardinal mistake. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a betting man, obviously. The only times I've ever really rooted against Tom Brady in the playoffs is because, you know, as a New York sports fan, I don't... The, it's it's different. Like for example, I do not like the Red Sox. I, I I don't have much of a fondness for the Bruins. I don't have much of a fondness. Well, I don't really hate the Celtics. I'm indifferent towards the Celtics because the Knicks aren't good enough to have a rivalry with anybody. I've never hated the Patriots. There's no reason for me to hate the Patriots. The only time I ever rooted against Tom Brady, obviously, is when the, is when my Giants were playing him in the Super Bowl those two times. I made my mistake though. I remember I told you the other day on the phone, I shouldn't bet against Tom Brady. I bet against Tom Brady, and every right, time yeah. I say, "Oh yeah, he's cooked, he's done," the guy more times often than not comes through and reminds us as to why you know he shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I right now he's my goat, but could that change ten years from now when Patrick Mahomes is like thirty something years old and has seven Super Bowls to his name? Yeah, it could, especially if he's undefeated. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes necessarily has to have the amount of uh, Super Bowls as Tom Brady. I think that, you know, if he just gets like four or five and he puts some great numbers, that's all he needs. Yeah. Great numbers and uh, that's it. Yeah, if Tom goes out in two weeks and, and plays a great game and, and falls just short, you know, if it's just one of those gunslinging type games where the, the team with the ball last wins, I can't slander Tom for that. It's not his fault if that happens. Right. Yeah. Um so let's move on. We're going to skip one of the questions because we already answered it. Yeah, we, yeah, we pretty much covered that one. Um, does Bill Belichick care? He's such a hard guy to read. That's the thing. Bill Belichick is like the master of the poker face. Bill Belichick right. could be furious at you, or he could be really, really happy with you, and you wouldn't right. know. You wouldn't know either right. way. I mean, at least that's what he portrays publicly behind the scenes. I don't know. We're not in that locker room. Only the guys that have played for him and are currently playing for him would be able to attest to that. I don't think he cares because Bill's concerns are probably about how he's going to revamp the team this offseason. Listen, I mean, Cam Newton came down with coronavirus and, and got injured, and that was unfortunate for how that worked out because I was really rooting for Cam to have a bounce-back season um, and do a great job in New England. 
uh, I, I don't I don't think Bill cares. I mean, listen, Bill, Bill and Tom were they were together for twenty years. You know, even before he took over, Tom was drafted in two thousand and backed up Drew Bledsoe that first year before Drew nearly died on the field because that guy got hit and had internal bleeding. Um, you know, so I mean, when you have a relationship with that with somebody that you know for that long of a time, um. Robert Kraft kind of talked about it. Robert Kraft, who's the owner of the Patriots, of course, for those who don't know, he said that Tom's like a son to him. And I imagine that Bill right. Belichick has to feel the same way. You spend 20 years with somebody, you have that much success. You know, you have, to, you have to feel a deep sense of love for that person. If anything, I think, I mean, I don't know personally. This is only my speculation. I would imagine that Bill's happy for Tom. I don't think that Bill's spiteful about this. I think Bill's focus right now is, like I said, how he's going to revamp the Patriots. I agree. I would say that his his focus is on building the team and trying to get the team better. I honestly think that he he is happy for Tom Brady. Yeah. And and I feel like he only wants the best for Tom. And honestly, I really don't think that he really cares like that. But I will say that I feel like they both carry carry responsibility for for what they did for their own franchise. Yeah. Um, just in terms of. I, I would say that it was a partnership. I would not say that it was one leading towards the other in terms of leadership. And that's that's just how I saw it. I would not say that that one needed more than the other. So, yeah. You know. I, I, the comparison I would make would be the Spurs dynasty, you know, to where it was a lot of Greg Popovich, but it was also a lot of Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. All of them had an equal part as to why the Spurs were able to be so successful and win five NBA championships. Yeah, right, right. Okay, let's move on to the next point. Does Bill Belichick go to another Super Bowl? You never say never. It's kind of like the same thing I said earlier in regards to, uh, you know, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, getting back to the Super Bowl. You never say never. Um, I can see it because especially, like, listen, uh, I mentioned Matthew Stafford earlier. You know, you never know. I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but imagine if, if the Patriots just blew the Texans away with the trade offer for Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, so Deshaun can pick and choose where he wants to go, which is why this is going to be so unique. But imagine if they get Deshaun Watson, because with the Patriots, you just never know, right? Imagine now that Matthew Stafford um, is going to get traded. Imagine if they pick up Matthew Stafford, who is still a very effective quarterback, just needs to be in the right system, which is obviously not in Detroit. Um... You know, I could see Bill easily being back there. He had a down year. Obviously, there's a lot of different things going on. Like I said, Cam got injured, and that hampered him, and he got coronavirus. And we know what coronavirus does as far as affecting your energy levels, um, even for the people who are most in shape. And so, yeah, I can see Bill being back there next year. I think it'll be a different cast next year. But I, I, I'll I, never dismiss Bill Belichick. I think he, he's, like, same thing. You never bet against Tom Brady. I am not about to bet about, against Bill Belichick either. I agree. I agree. I, I think that Bill Belichick, he's proven it. He's proven that he could uh, coach very well in this league, and mm-hmm. I could definitely see him getting back there. I think that he's uh, extremely intelligent, and he knows the right X's, X's and O plays to put his team back there. And like I said, you know, let's let's say that he trades for Jimmy Garoppolo, and then they they get to get they they get right back together, and you Imagine. never know. Yeah, that would be really, really funny, really funny. But yeah. I get I, I don't think the door is shut on him, but 
the crazy thing about the whole thing is that people in the media they believe that this is the this is the year that that um that Bill Belichick has to prove himself. But no, it takes time for coaches to get to where they want to be sometimes and it takes time to I rebuild they, the roster. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that the team was going through some injuries. It's not even just Cam Newton, it was also the defense as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's about it, man. For for my questions on the NFC championship game and uh and what we think about the legacies and and how we think about Aaron Rodgers and things like that. And we talked about Bill Belichick. So let's move on to, to your questions for the AFC. Mm-hmm. And so that concludes our breakdown of the NFC Championship game. Stay tuned for part two in which we will break down the AFC Championship game as well as Super Bowl 55 between Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of fun as always talking with Marvin. So stay tuned for the next part of a very very fun episode and like i said more coming up in the month ahead Uh, hopefully i can bring you some more good guests making some progress on some and hopefully uh, their appearances can come to fruition Uh, and so at the end of part one on behalf of marvin mcintyre i'm mike colon and we'll see you in part two see you next time uh afc championship game this was a really well, it went about the exact way I expected it to go. One, again, you talk about never betting against Tom Brady. You never get, you never bet against Patrick Mahomes. We've all learned that very quickly um, as well. And even when they were down 9 nothing in this game, you never felt that they were out of it. You only felt it was a matter of time before they got right back in. And they did, and they, they did what we all expected them to do. And they won that game right. going away 38-24. I mean, the final score was not nearly... As close as it looked, it, it the game the game was ne- pretty much always, except for that little nine nothing period, in control of right. the Kansas City Chiefs. So I gotta say, listen, the Bills won their when they beat the uh, Colts in the wild card. They won their first playoff game since 1995, 1995, right. 1996. They got to the first AFC Championship game since 1994. We don't know what the Patriots are gonna do. Uh, we're not we're we're not uh, set on that yet. Remains to be seen. We don't know. Hey, the Jets could trade for Deshaun Watson. All of a sudden, the Jets launched themselves in, into the contention conversation. Nonetheless, this is an impressive team, man. Great defense. I love their quarterback. I think he's improving year by year. He made a huge leap this year. They always talk about teams that make a run like this. Oh, they'll be back. You heard Tony Romo say on the broadcast, uh, they'll be back next year. Will the Bills now? Is this their time? Are they going to be a force in the AFC going forward? not really be too sure uh, because of uh, they may never come back because of the teams getting better and better and you know you got Lamar Jackson I mean I feel like all he is is just a deep threat away and Mm -hmm. maybe some better quarterback decisions and you know maybe he'll get to a a conference championship game maybe even a couple out of that with Patrick Mahomes but as far as the Steelers, they may need another quarterback. Uh, the Browns, they're they're on their way. I mean, they're they're coming up with it and they keep working hard. And you never know where they could be. Um, but I would not say that it's over for the Bills. But as for right now, the AFC is wide open except except for the Chiefs. I think that's yeah. I think that's fair. Um, again, I I tend to agree with you. I I. Uh... Yeah, you just never know. 
you really never know because right. I thought the Jaguars a couple of years ago when they made their run to the AFC Championship game and had New England they disappeared. Yeah, exactly. They had New England on the ropes there for yep. a second. I'm like, wow, the Jaguars. How about this? And they lose that game, and I thought to myself, okay, they're a move here, move one or one or two moves away from being right back in the spot. And watch out for the Jaguars. They're coming. As right. I said, they disappeared. They haven't been anywhere close to the playoffs since. Although now with uh, Trevor Lawrence in all likelihood on the way. And Urban Meyer there as the new coach. I mean, we'll see, but you could never be too sure because things, hey, things in sports in general, but especially in the NFL, uh, can change from year to year. Uh, Marvin McIntyre right. is our guest here in the Mike Newhaven podcast. We are previewing Super Bowl Fifty Five between the Bucks and the Chiefs, and also recapping the NFC and AFC Championship games. Uh, like I said, Josh Allen made a huge leap forward this year. Um, it's kind of hard to rank quarterbacks now because we don't know what's going to happen with a few of them. One of them already retired, and that's Philip Rivers. Nonetheless, where does Josh Allen rank? Is he in your top? Is he in your top ten? And dare I say, in your top five? I would say that he's definitely in my top five. Um, more like five to like seven. You know, um, it, it can dwindle, um, but but I would say that he's definitely stepped up this year, and I definitely can say that he's definitely gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's proven himself as a better passer. And um, then some of the elite passes in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's a lot of quarterbacks that have fallen off, you know, such as um, Drew Brees and um, I would say, well, Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I, I would say that Josh Allen is definitely a top five to top seven quarterback in this league. And he definitely deserves some respect for how he has uh, gotten better throughout the years even though that a lot of people did not expect for him to get better and for him to change his approach to how he throws the football. But mm-hmm. he's definitely increasing his accuracy, and he's definitely getting even better year by year. So we can expect for him to explode even more as he gets closer to his prime. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we had to rank him, would you put him ahead of Lamar? Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, because Lamar's like Lamar's like six for me. Because if I had to rank them, number one, as we know, is Daniel Jones. No I'm kidding. Uh, number one, obviously Mahomes. Number two, talent. We're talking talent wise. Rogers. I got even even with the bad loss, I still got to put Rogers at two because Rogers at the regular season played like an. MVP. I would have to put Tom Brady <laughs> number two. I was gonna put Tom Brady like three or four because we're talking ta- talent wise. Like I'm saying, talent wise, yeah. T- talent wise, obviously Aaron. Aaron yeah, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers is two for me. Three because I'm not I'm not leaving Tom Brady. I'll start my top five. Three is Deshaun Watson. I have talent wise, okay. I think Deshaun belongs in the top five. Four is Brady, and then five would be where I was, is where I was going to put Josh Allen. Because right now I think Josh Allen is better than Lamar Jackson. Um, okay. you know, so that that yeah, that's that's kind of a fair way to rank them. Um. The Bills, they're a pass-heavy offense. They they have, I mean, they, they like to establish the run here and there, as every offense likes to do. Some offenses too much. But they're a pass-heavy offense. Um, right. If their running game had been a bit better, do you think this game potentially would have been closer? Or dare I say, do you think the Bills would have had a chance to pull off a pretty shocking upset? I don't think it would have been an upset, but I definitely think the game would have been closer. Mm. I would say a lot closer mm. um, because, uh, you know, just them being able to balance the time and things like that. I feel like that stuff matters when it comes to mm. what you want to do when it comes to being calculated and also when it comes to being able to just throw play action passes. 
because of that reason. So I feel like that definitely would help. So yeah. Um. So as far as Josh Allen in this particular game, I mean, he's young. It's his first time in an AFC Championship game, and even with the stadium not being at full capacity because of obviously the coronavirus pandemic. It's still, hey, if you don't get psyched up about a chance to go to the Super Bowl, I mean, something's wrong with you um, if you're in a position like that. How much credit, though? I mean, they, they did get, give up 24 points, but like I said, the game wasn't as close as, as the final score would, would appear. Uh, how much credit do we give Kansas City's defense for last Sunday? I would give them a very good amount of credit. Okay. You know, I would say maybe about 35 to 40% credit because it definitely could have been a very uh, closer game and it definitely could have been even more uh, nasty down the stretch in terms of like, you know, if, if they were like giving up touchdowns and things like that. But I would say that the defense definitely did step up. Mm-hmm. They were able to get to Josh Allen maybe about three times and, you know, just rush him and um, make him feel, um, feel a little bit scattered and him wanting to throw the football as soon as possible, things like that. He threw an interception. So, and plus they doubled and they shut down Stefan Diggs, who was on fire um, last season. So, I feel like they definitely did step up. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll skip one of these questions because we've pretty much already covered it um, as far as what we think for Josh Allen going forward. Patrick Mahomes now. Um, Patrick Mahomes, in terms of the playoff success that he's had to this point in his career, the first full season he had as a starter, they were in the AFC Championship game, and had it not been for a coin toss, had the Chiefs gotten the ball in that overtime instead of the Patriots, the Chiefs would have won at the Super Bowl. Not a doubt in my mind. Right. Um, and then obviously he comes back the next season, they win the Super Bowl. This season, uh, now they're back in the Super Bowl with a chance to go back-to-back in terms of championships. Is he already better than two one-time Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks in Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers in terms of not only his playoff success to this point in his young career, but also his leadership? I would say a lot of people, they want to take, talk about leadership. I mean, um, not, not leadership, but longevity. Right. But I can't really go off of longevity for this, for, from what I'm seeing. I think that the fact that, uh, the fact that Patrick Mahomes has set up such a, a, a team-friendly contract He's going to be around. His, his team is going to be around, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the league. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this, this definitely helps him, and I feel like this, this does already make him better than Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers because they both have issues with showing up, and, and uh, Drew Brees, he puts on disappearing acts like he's... <laughs> like he's Houdini. <laughs> so, uh, and Aaron Rodgers, he does not really show up in the NFC title games. And Patrick Mahomes, he's just a different level of leadership and talent. So I'm definitely going to have to put them, I'm going to put Patrick Mahomes over them just in terms of his leadership capabilities and how he goes about winning and his impact for the team and and, and his stats and things like that. I mean, he's already done things that a whole lot of quarterbacks have never even dreamed of doing. But, yeah. look, it's taken Aaron Rodgers. Like, he, he's, not getting, he's not getting to where he wants to be, which is the Super Bowl. So, he hasn't been there in 11 years now. And 
Drew Brees, Even he hasn't longer. been there since 08. 12. So, and I think he's going to retire. So, I think that we could basically assume that that the fact that, it, that Patrick Mahomes put up the team-friendly contract, they're going to be around. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless Patrick Mahomes suffers an injury, which obviously you hope does not happen. Um, right. Yeah, the Chiefs are going to be there really the the entirety of uh, pretty much as long as he's playing football. The Chiefs are always going to be in the mix, um, for sure. Yeah, no. So I, I would have to say the same thing, um, because yeah, I mean we talked about it earlier. Has Aaron Rodgers had games in the playoffs where his defense has let him down, or it's not really his fault? Yeah, Drew Brees has kind of had the same thing to happen to him too. But in terms of the success, yeah, I kind of have to give the nod to Patrick, and that, that's just I right. Because it's not like when they were in their primes. Breeze and Rodgers did not have elite weapons. They didn't do as much as they could with. It's not like they were like dragging trash bags around. No, they had elite weapons around, and they just, for whatever reason, uh, partially themselves at times, couldn't get the job done, whereas Patrick to this point in his career has. So in terms of coaching, obviously, in order to have a great team, a, a huge part of it is having a great coach, and Andy Reid is certainly a great coach. Um, and this has been a great second act for him because it didn't end well in Philadelphia. I mean, he was in Philadelphia for 14 years. His last year before he got fired, they were 4-12. and 12, And I thought it was over for Andy Reid. And here he is in Kansas City about to coach in yet another Super Bowl. Um, you know, So it's it's been a, a great run for him. Uh, and I think he deserves a lot of credit too. But in terms of how we dole out the credit, it's kind of like Brady and Belichick, right, we talked about earlier. For you, is it a 50-50 as well with uh, Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid? No. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's fifty-fifty. I think it's more like a seventy-thirty. In favor of whom? Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, Andy Reid, he had never gone to a Super Bowl prior to Patrick Mahomes. He had. And he did. The suit. The second that he got Patrick Mahomes, he got taken over the top. And no, Andy. Andy Reid was in the Super Bowl. With the oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, against oh, the yeah, Patriots, right. they lost twenty four twenty one. McNabb got him there, in T O. Right, right. But I'm just talking about in terms of winning. Oh, okay, yeah. When they win that game, um, they lost. Yeah. And right, and I did forget that they did get there, but uh, um, but that happens, and uh, no but, worries. But just in terms of like him being able to take the team over the top and win, we have not seen that from Andy Reid, and he's had some serviceable quarterbacks and serviceable rosters on his team in terms of like the offense uh i could give him a, a very good amount of credit i would say a good like 40 percent but just in terms of like responsibility and and like the leadership and the energy and the impact that's 70 30 uh patrick mahomes is in favor of that of that reasoning and uh i would say that um I would say that uh, that that Patrick, no, I would say that Andy Reid, he's a he's a very good coach, and he uh, and he's definitely a Hall of Fame caliber coach, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna like try and take that much credit away from him. He's definitely an awesome coach, but uh, I feel like if not for Patrick Mahomes or somebody of his level, we could very well see him just being. A coach without a Super Bowl. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. The quarterbacks he's had, Philadelphia, it was Donovan McNabb. Um, right. Donovan McNabb, they went to Super Bowl, they didn't win. 
Michael Vick, and Michael Vick, after he got out of jail, was still a pretty effective quarterback. I don't think he had Nick Foles. I think that was Chip Kelly. Then he got to Kansas City. He had Alex Smith, obviously, pre that horrible leg injury. And Alex Smith right. was in. He's had good quarterbacks. He's coached very good quarterbacks. But would he have done any of this with, I mean, he got to Super Bowl, like I said, with McNabb. But would he have accomplished any of this had he had prime McNabb, prime Vic, prime Smith? Probably not. Yeah. They, right. they would go far. I just don't think they would go this far. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's that's fair. Um, would we, you know, I, I think th- this question is interesting for me because, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is, is mega talented, of course. He's a transcendent quarterback. He's a transcendent athlete, period. But he also has the benefit of having a great roster. Not that I fault him for that. You know, that's I, right. that, that's perfectly fine. Um, every great Super Bowl champion, every great Super Bowl winning quarterback has had that. I mean, Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison. How many times did uh, Tom Brady have great receivers throughout the years? Uh, Joe Montana had the greatest wide receiver of all time, for crying out loud, and Jerry Rice, amongst many other good players on his team. Um, so I mean, that... wait, hold on, hold on. People, they forget that Tom Brady has had great receivers. Yeah, he like, has, for sure. Wants act, everybody wants to act like he's never had a great roster on his team, but he's had great people on his uh on his uh, side of the football, on his part of the football. Yeah, no. Um, especially um, um, Danny Amendola, he was very... Um, yep, Julian Edelman. Effective Julian Edelman. Yeah. I mean, there's people who would Leon say Branch. that he could potentially go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Yeah. And, but a lot of people, they want to act like, they want to discount his... Um, his receiving core just because of them not really being a high scoring team. But yeah. I could always give some credit to his uh receiving core. But yes. Yeah, he I, had great I running backs too. Did. I mean he had clock killing Corey Dillon on his team right, for a yeah. little bit. He had Danny Woodhead. Right. So I mean the guy and obviously he had one of the greatest, if not the greatest tight end of all time and Rob Gronkowski right. um on his team. So it's it's not like the guy had a bunch of bumps playing around him on the offensive end. No, and you know obviously he had a great offensive line. But that being right. said, I mean, look at what Mahomes has. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek right. Hill, Sammy yep. Watkins, guys like that. Just absolute – Kareem Hunt's one of his running backs. I mean, they're loaded offensively. Right. How do how much credit do we – I mean, obviously, we assign a lot of credit to Patrick Mahomes, of course, yeah. Uh, but how much credit do we give the weapons he has around him? Just, just in the ability to get open, I think that that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Um. But I would say, I, I would give them a, a very good amount of credit. Let's say about 35, to 35% of the credit, um, 35 to 40% of the credit. And then I would give like 60 to like 65 to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah, if, I had to, right. if I have to like give it, you know, give, if I have to give a number, you know. Because yeah. yeah. Um, but but I do think I do think that um, that the fact that Alex Smith had the same the same weapons prior to Patrick Mahomes and he didn't get to a AFC title game that that ought to tell you the impact of Patrick Mahomes right there. Yeah, I think that's so, a, that's a very good point. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point because they I mean they would would the Chiefs win playoff games? Yeah, like they would they would. Um... They would win. They would always seem to win the wild card, and then they would get to the divisional. And that's when they would lose in the divisional. 
Um, right. But yeah, it was pretty much the same cast of characters, minus a few guys here and there that are there now. And they, yeah, you're right. They were a good team, but not a great team. Mahomes has certainly put them over the top in that regard, which is why I said, you know, obviously we assign a great amount of credit to uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, right. When I was when I had my brother-in-law on and we were doing the breakdown of the Baseball Hall of Fame, we were talking about a guy like Derek Jeter, for example, that we were saying that he would be great anywhere that he went. Even if he hadn't spent his whole career with the Yankees, he would be a great right. ball player anywhere because that's the level of talent that he had. Would it be fair to say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes? Like if Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback of the New York Jets right now, if Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback of the L.A. Chargers right now, or the Vegas Raiders, would, would Patrick Mahomes still be putting up this kind of productivity? I would not say – I wouldn't say that he would get to the Super – I would not say that he would get to the Super Bowl just, like, so soon, mm -hmm. put it like that. But I would say that he would win a few Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that he would get, get his team in the playoffs. And you put it like this. If, um, if Patrick Mahomes is on the Texans instead of Deshaun Watson – and, and and they're up twenty four zero. Patrick Mahomes closing that lead. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. They're winning that game. Yeah, all right. There, sure. There's no comeback. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. So, um, and I, I feel like I feel like he would have great impact on on e on either on any roster that he's on, just because of his on 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 his outlook and his confidence alone. So yeah. No, I think that that's a a fair. Thing to say i mean with that kind of talent it's hard to say that a guy like that wouldn't win but then again you know it, it's difficult because look at aaron Rodgers. look at aaron Rodgers' right. talent aaron Rodgers only has one championship to his name to this point in his career so you never know it's but it's a great what if i love what ifs like that it really is um so that being said uh andy reed there's a lot of great coaches in football right now mike Vrabel's on a heck of a job out in tennessee uh, for example, obviously, even off the seven and nine season, Bill Belichick is a legendary coach, a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, John Jim, uh, not Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is the uh, coach at Michigan. John Harbaugh, his brother, uh, has done a great job with the Ravens. But nonetheless, is Andy Reid the best coach in football right now, or is he just being carried by a great quarterback? Ooh, is he just being carried? Yeah. Uh I would not say he's just being carried. Uh, I would say that he's possibly the best coach in the football right now. Um, but I think it's a lot of coaches that are close to him. You know, like um, Sean McVay. Uh, he's very good uh, X's and O's coach. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, obviously, Bill Belichick. So mm -hmm. that, that's about it. Pete Carroll is very good. But I would say that... I, I would definitely say that he is an elite quarterback. I mean, uh, my fault, elite coach, and he's definitely in the top three, top three mm -hmm. elite coaches right now. And right now, as far as his success over the past three years, he's number one. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that that's that would be fair. And I'm not an Andy Reid hater. I love Andy Reid. I was so happy when he finally won a championship because he deserved it. I mean, by all accounts, he's a great guy and and his players love him, so it was good to see him win. But I think it was a question that at least was worth asking. Like I said, I think it's a mix of credit. He deserves credit. He's done a great job with the roster. Because you could have a great roster, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to coach him right. He coaches him the right way. He uses right. his pieces the right way, which is a credit to him. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, there's either too little credit that can be assigned to a great coach or too much credit. So 
it's kind of good right. to see where we would put it, um, you know, in, in its fair context. Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls, as we mentioned earlier. He's gone to the big game nine times, lost twice to my Giants, lost once to Nick Foles and the Eagles, won the other six times. Does Patrick Mahomes have to get, I mean, because for example, Joe Montana only has four, but some people consider him to be the GOAT, which is fine. Right. Does Patrick Mahomes have to win six to get that recognition as the GOAT, or can it be that he ends his career being undefeated, winning four like Joe Montana did, and because of his insane talent level, we give him the credit as being the GOAT? I would say that he would need at least four or five to be considered the GOAT or the greatest uh, quarterback ever. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that he needs to reach Tom Brady uh, in, in the amount of Super Bowls that he's been to or the amount of Super Bowls that he's won. It's kind of hard to... Uh, to replicate the amount of times that you've been to a Super Bowl or the amount of times you win a Super Bowl in terms of what Tom Brady has done in terms of his production. But I would say this, if he is just as impactful and just as uh, it keeps the the stats and and the amount of accomplishments up and how he wins and things like that and, and the stats and everything, yes, I think that he can be considered the greatest football, uh, not football player, but actually he, football player. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that he could be considered the greatest football player ever. If you just look at the, uh, the stats and, and everything else, because he's going to put up great numbers. Yeah. He's going to break so, records. He right, already is exactly. breaking records. Exactly. Right. So, all right. So last few questions here on the AFC championship game, and then we'll move on finally to the Super Bowl. Um, do the Chiefs have a lockdown defense? And is Tyreek Hill the best wide receiver in the league? First I would the say defense. that the Chiefs I, I was I would say that the Chiefs have a very good defense. Very good defense. You got Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, mm-hmm. um, Breland. They all they all make plays. So I'm gonna have to give them um I'm going to say that they, they do have an elite defense and a, a very above-average defense. They get to the quarterback, they got Frank Clark. So, um, you know, like, they got players who can play very well, and they can uh, definitely um, disrupt the quarterback and the offense. So I'm going to have to give some credit to the defense as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And as far as Tyreek Hill, where does he rank in your receiver? I mean, he's top five, obviously, but is he obviously, number one? he's top five. You know, yeah. he's a bad boy, bad boy. So yeah. I'm going to have to say that he's uh, he's definitely, uh, like, top three. Top three. And a case can be made that he's number one just in terms of him making big plays mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Because you got, you, got, you got, like, players like Odell Beckham, you know, who show up to the yacht party – but not exactly the playoff game. Yeah, no, I remember that. That was a big story yeah. in New York. Yeah. You got Julio Jones, who does the same thing for the uh, uh, for the play. He, he does show up somewhat, somewhat in the playoffs. In his prime, but, Larry Fitzgerald. Right, in his prime, Larry Fitzgerald. But the thing is, is that just in terms of being able to show up all, all the way around, I, I would actually give the credit to Tyreek Hill. Uh, but I'm not going to say that that none of these players are great. Um, wide receivers is kind of very hard to rank, anyways. But I'm going to have to give 
both go to credit to Tyreek Hill being a great receiver. Not to mention, yeah. Tyreek Hill is a multifaceted player because he can kill you on the natural offensive end, but he can also kill you on special teams. He's, right, a, great, exactly. he's a great kick returner. So, exactly, it, I mean, th- right. there's not many receivers that can do both. Like, Devin Hester was a great punt returner and kick returner, but he wasn't necessarily, he was an okay, he was an average receiver in terms of the yeah. offensive field, from what I remember. But Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Tyreek Hill can, is elite, genuinely elite, and top three on both ends of that. So, I think that would put him number one for me. So now, finally, we conclude with the game itself. Super Bowl 55, uh, Buccaneers in their first Super Bowl since 2002 when they walloped the Raiders against the Chiefs, who are the defending champions, and back once again to defend their Super Bowl championship. So, um, first question. Do you want to go one by one on the questions? Well, it depends on what you want to do. What do you prefer? Uh, let's go one by one. Yeah, let's yeah. We don't want to uh, just, yeah. you know, spend. we spent all that time previewing the other games not to do a thorough preview of this game, too. So, right. I mean, I think I have a feeling we both have, and maybe we don't, I don't know, but I have a feeling that we both have the same team winning. I'll give you mine in a second, but first, who do you have winning and why? Uh, I have the Chiefs winning because uh, I feel like they're the best team. I feel like this is their time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, like they know the moment, and I feel like um, I feel like Andy Reid he knows the the right plays to bring up and things like that. So, and plus like their off their defense is it's it's very good, and I would say that uh, that they're gonna do enough to win the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Um, I have the Chiefs in this game as well. I think it'll be a very exciting game. I'm hoping for a very exciting game. I think it'll go de- de- right down to the wire. Um, I think both teams will be uh, firing on all cylinders offensively, um, but I, I do think the Chiefs take this game. Uh, I know I said I know I'm contradicting myself technically because I said I, I, uh, I, I, I've learned not to bet against Tom Brady, but there are certain exceptions to the rule. You know, there's certain right. things that offset that. Patrick Mahomes is the exception. Patrick Mahomes right. is the thing that you that offsets exactly. that. Because if pa- Tom Brady were going up against anybody else, I'd pick the Bucks. But since it's this guy. You know, right. I I have no problem in betting against Mahomes. You never know. Listen, I remember I had the Panthers beating the Broncos a few years ago. I turned out to be dead wrong on that. Um, Whoa, so hold on, hold on. <laughs> Cam Newton, all right, we all know what kind of person Cam Newton is. Yes. All right, so, you know, he's very interesting as a person. So Say the least. Um, You know, Cam Newton... He's kind of a very interesting character, and I don't think that 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 was a bad pick, bro. Very bad pick. Nah. <laughs> hey, but look, look, my my dad went my my dad went with them too. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there was, was that. Cool. Well, then again, okay, you know, there's there's other game. Well, I guess a better comparison would be people had the eighteen and old Patriots walloping my Giants back in 07, 08, back in that back in that game. And, you know, they had him, not, not even, it wasn't even going to be close. It was going to be like 49-14. But instead, that game ended up being 17-14 in favor of my Giants. Thank you much. Thank you very much, Eli Manning and David Tyree. So, um, as far as the score, I'm going to say 31-28 Chiefs. Who are you going to say? 38-21. Wow, that's coming. Kind of 30, no, 31-28. 31-28. I think um, it's going to come down to like close. a field goal. Very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 35, 35, 
35-24. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a fairly in, in, in football, that's close. In football, that is close. But I think it'll be closer than that. I think it'll be one of those Super Bowls that comes down to, like, a last-second field goal. Kind of like the early Patriots Super Bowls did with Vinatieri. Where he had to kick a field goal at you know at the end of the um, at the end of the game for them to win. I think it'll be one of those games. I think honestly, whoever has the ball last in this game is going to win. And it's not to say the defense is going to play like you know like garbage, but um, I I just think it's one of those games, man, where it's going to be a battle of the old gunslingers. It's going to be a battle of uh, the new kid on the block and the new gunslinger versus the old. It's kind of like when Brett Favre and John Elway faced off, but ten times better. Um, so I got it being very close that way. I think it'll be. Um, 31 and 28. Uh, last question I'll ask on my end, and I'll throw the floor over to you for the remainder of the okay. questions. Um, we talked a little bit about legacies earlier. This game, what does a victory do for both sides? First with the Bucks, what does a victory do for their franchise? And obviously, the golden question, what does it do for Tom Brady? Um, I think that the victory puts... I mean, look, we've already talked about Tom Brady and how great he is. But um, I think that it puts them in a very in a very great um, space, you know, where uh, where you can't really get mad at anybody who has anything to say about Tom Brady any anymore or things like that. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that it's it definitely does show that one player can change a franchise, and um, obviously that has happened, and um. In basketball, in football, in uh, baseball as well. Mm -hmm. And hockey. um, And hockey. So, you know, I feel like impact is everything. And, you know, he definitely would have shown his impact. And, um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't show that Bruce Arians is is an elite coach, though. But it does show that uh, it does show that he is willing to, uh, willing to, um, to give criticism the same as everybody else. Yeah, he's a good coach. Yeah. I, I've never felt him to be elite. I felt him to be a solid coach, though, because let's not, let's not forget, he brought Carson Palmer to the NFC Championship game, bro. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so I would say that... Uh, I, I, I would say that this does help... I, I don't think that it really helps anymore with Tom Brady's legacy, because we already know, you know how people view him. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like it would only help Bruce Arians' legacy, and it definitely would turn around how people view um, Antonio Brown and um, and things like that as well. So, but as far as for the other side, yeah, um, I think that this definitely puts Patrick Mahomes in a league category. Yeah, and um, I would say that you know like. You would have to make him a, a top ten quarterback, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, you would have to make him a top ten quarterback. I, obviously, you can't really put him over Brady just yet, but you could say the easy ball on his way. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's what I would say. And for the uh, for Andy Reid, I would say that this only helps with his elite co- elite coaching allure. You know, I, I would say that even more players will want to come over there and play with him. And things like that. So, and as far as like Tyreek Hill, if he makes if he makes big plays like he did and t- Travis Kelsey like they did last year, it's only going to help them even more with their elite status. And you can honestly favor them for the next year. So yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that that's I think that that's fair. Uh, so yeah, I'll throw the remainder of the questions back over to you. You take it from okay. here. Okay. Um. Okay, here we go. Which team has the best defensive edge? This is tough. I oh man, this is a good one. Um, it's tough, bro. I, I I think I think honestly, for me, it's even because the Chiefs do they have a do they have an elite defense? They have a pretty good defense. I wouldn't say they have like an all time defense, but it's pretty good. Right. Same thing with the Bucks. Like I talked earlier about the Bucks can they can bend but they don't break. It's kind of the same thing with the Chiefs. The Chiefs will bend here and there. They've gotten much better defensively than where they were against that against the Patriots a couple years ago because people forget that season their defense was like the worst in the NFL. Their offense was the first. Their offense was the best and their their defense was the worst. Now they've improved a lot. So that being said, the Bucks though yeah, I mean, I can't discount the playmakers the Bucks have, um, especially on their front line. You know, my my main man Pierre Paul, like I said, you know, uh, Giants legend. So I think it's even in terms of defensive matchup. I think this game's going to come down more to the offense than it will the defense. Um, I I I agree, but I'm gonna have to give the slight edge to the Bucks. That's fair. Slight edge, fair. slight edge, because I'm aware that the Chiefs. Had had lost their um, their offensive line, mm-hmm. um, Eric Fisher, in one of in the last game. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to give the slight edge to the Bucks for that reason. Um, but I do think I do think that this is a close matchup with the defense. I do expect for certain um, for a turnover to happen here or there. Um, it could happen on both sides. Um, but and Tom Brady, you can just show his show, show his age. It could it could happen. So um, you know, and I I can definitely see this team being um, being. I I definitely see both teams showing their impact right away on defense. Yeah. So, sometimes yeah. yeah, sometimes you could open the game with the big defensive play because look at the Browns and the Steelers. A turnover started that game, and you know the, the Browns. Once they got that turnover, they they never looked back. You know, right. Yeah. Once they were able yeah, to get that I, early turnover. Right. I agree. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Let's move on to the next one. The next one is, um, which team has the better weapons? Oh, Chiefs. Not even a doubt. This is the easiest question of all, Chiefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs as well. They got way too many. Weapons, too many fast guys. Right, yeah. Too many guys that's willing to get open. And plus, I heard that they might get Sammy Watkins back as well. Oh, yeah. And plus, uh, you know, they got Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who can play as well. Yeah, he can ball. So, you know, a lot of ballers on this team and nobody's willing to give up. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. Do you think that this game will be a shootout, blowout, comeback game? Or a comfortable victory. Oh, we kind of talked about that one earlier. Shootout. For me, it's a shootout. Um, I don't see... I'd be very surprised. I, granted, yeah, anything can happen. Like, I remember I thought Seahawks-Broncos uh, years ago was going to be a great game because the Broncos had, like, the number one offense that year and the Ravens... The Seahawks, excuse me, not the Ravens, had the number one defense. And that game ended up being a snooze fest. It was, like, 43-8. to eight. It was just an absolute blowout. Um, right. 
you know, I don't I don't think that this game will, will be that. I don't think it'll be a comeback game. I think, like I said, whoever has the ball last in this game is going to be the team that wins. This is going to be an old-fashioned uh, gunfight at the OK Corral, my friend. I'm going to say it's a comfortable victory. Hmm. Comfortable. Very comfortable victory because of the defense stepping up. And uh, I, I would say that it's also because of the um, the plays that Andy Reid decides to run. And, you know, Andy Reid, he has been on – he's been on a tear as of lately in terms of going forward on fourth down. So um, I'm going to expect for them to 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 throw all their risk and, and, and get all the reward that they need to get to get this W. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I, that's, I can see why uh, you would say that, but nah, I, I, this game, man, it's got, I hope it lives up to the hype, man, I really do, because it's just right. got the potential to be an all-time great shootout, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would, yeah. uh, I'd, I'm gonna have to go shootout, we'll disagree on that one, respectfully, but we'll disagree on that one. All right, yeah, um, does home field advantage play a part in this game? I like this question a lot because it's so interesting, and Obviously, these are not normal times, quote-unquote. Um, there will be fans this game. Will it be full capacity? No, because it's not a smart thing to do in the pandemic. Um, of course not. You know, the, and the rules vary from state to state. Some states are a little stricter with others, and than others, I should say, in, in terms of how many people can be in one spot. Um, right. The good thing about it, a football stadium is obviously you can spread them out to where they're not close to each other. Families show up, they sit in one spot, the next family's well ways away. If this game was being played under normal circumstances and the stadium was at full capacity, of course, it's a home game for the Bucks, you know? And that's the thing, right. that's the detail that gets lost in all this hype. This is the first time a team will play at home in the Super Bowl, technically. Um, exactly. So it, it, that's just, it's it's an amazing thing. And if this was last year... Um, when right before the pandemic hit, then yeah, I would say the Bucks have a distinct advantage in that sense. But given that that's not the case, and given that the capacity is going to be drastically reduced, um, I, I don't think so. I, I think it'll be even. And listen, how many times have we seen in a playoff game teams go in there and, and win on the road? I mean, the Texans did this for years where they had so many playoff games at home and they always lost. They always lost. So, I mean, really, right. for some teams, can the crowd make a difference? Yeah, because the counterpoint to that is when you would go to Seattle for a playoff game. And Seattle, 12th man, they didn't call them the 12th man for nothing. I mean, you couldn't hear yourself. Some players said they couldn't hear themselves stink. It was so loud in there, you know? So yeah. sometimes the crowd can be a factor. Sometimes it really doesn't matter much. Um, it just depends on the environment. But I, I think given the fact that, unfortunately, we can't have a full-capacity stadium, I don't think it's an advantage. Yeah, um, I don't think it's an advantage as well mm -hmm. because the Chiefs have already won in that stadium. Mm -hmm. yeah, They've already right. won there. Yeah, true. So I feel like that that helps. And the fact that they have the experience of winning. And yes, there will be some fans, but not every fan is going to be for the Buccaneers. Right. Uh, A lot of Chiefs I, I fans like there. They travel well. They, they, yeah, they definitely do travel well. So I think home field advantage does not matter for this game especially mm -hmm. since you know obviously the um pandemic and the times that we're living in right now yep obviously obviously there's going to be fans but i don't think that's going to play a huge part yeah you know in, in discouraging or encouraging either side of the field so, right yeah. yeah i agree yep now for the next question is um who will 
be the first team to turn the football over? I'm going to have to say the Chiefs because the Chiefs did it last week. Right. <laughs> yeah. did it last week. And your, your TV, to give you a little inside baseball, folks, Marvin's, well, I think, I think everyone's television is about five years ahead of mine. Um, so whatever play happens out where any of my friends that I'm talking to over the phone, out where they're watching the game, you know, it happens an entire five minutes. I'm kidding, of course, I'm being exaggerative, but it happens a while, a little bit before I see it on my end. Um, and we saw it on a, on a kick return. It went bad. Um, and there was a turnover on special teams. The Bills took advantage and that's how they were able to go up in that game early. Nine, nothing should have been 10, nothing, but they missed the extra point. Um, so I, it, the Chiefs special teams, it, they're not sloppy. They're not known for being sloppy, but, it, you know, sometimes, listen, you know, even the most talented, uh, units can make mistakes in any profession, not just sports. So, uh, I, I think given the Chiefs reliance, uh, not, you know, not just with their special teams, I think also given the Chiefs reliance on having a pass heavy offense, uh, who's to say Mahomes doesn't get picked, man? I mean, I know the Bucks defense is studying a lot of films right now. And I, and I think, do I think it's going to be a pick fest with Mahomes throwing picks left and right? No. But I, I definitely can see where a pass gets tipped, uh, he gets stripped of the ball while he's getting ready to throw it, things like that. So I'll say the Chiefs turn it over first. I would have to agree. I would have to agree. Um, you know, like the Chiefs, uh, they have the ability to sometimes get sloppy at the wrong time, but uh, um, but I but I would say that they always come back confident after the uh yep. after the uh, after the turnover. So that, that's that's where I'm gonna have to, you know, kind of give it to the Chiefs on that end, you know, because they do turn it over. Yeah. But it's it's not a regular thing. It's, it's not, not a regular it's just, thing. It's just the nature of the way they play. You're due to turn right. the ball over here and there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I but I would not be surprised if the Buccaneers do it as well because of uh, of you know depending on how the Chiefs play on defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um. Let's go over to the next one. Our last three. Wow. Yeah. Win or lose. Does Tom Brady and um, no no win or lose? Does Tom come back? And if he does, will the Buccaneers get back to the Super Bowl next year? I think Tom come back. Come back. I can't talk now. I think Tom comes back rather. Um, yeah, I could see Tom being back. Uh, I don't think there's a reason for Tom to leave quite yet. I mean, listen, do guys leave at the peak of their powers? Yeah. Uh, and baseball, baseball fans will remember Sandy Koufax did that. Jim Brown, of course, is a great example in football. Barry Sanders is a great, even better example of a guy that left really at the height of his abilities. So is yeah. there always the chance? Yeah. And I, it's funny to say Brady at the height of his abilities when he's you know, not in his prime anymore. He's 43. But the guy, again, there was never, there's never been to this point in his career, a major drop off in production. I don't know. I mean, you never know. It's up to it's up to him mentally, honestly, to see if he'll come back. But I don't see, I don't see a scenario where he walks away. I can't say I see a scenario where right. he he says that he's done. I really, you know, I I, I just I don't know. I, I think he's he's in it for the long haul with the Bucks. His contract is for two years. Will will we? Is there a chance that maybe he hangs it up after next season? Yeah, because right. his contract will be up. But do I envision him hanging it up after this uh, game, win or lose? No, I, I don't see that. And if he comes back next year, listen, I don't bet against Tom Brady. I talked about it earlier, unless, of course, it's against Patrick Mahomes. I don't bet against Tom Brady. So I, I could see the Bucs right. being right back in the situation next year, man. 
I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that, you know, if Tom Brady loses, I don't think that he's going to hang his head. I do think that he's going to come back, and it could potentially be a rematch next year. Yeah, you, yeah. You because know. of uh, a high potential. Just because of the weapons that he has and uh, obviously the leadership that he has. I mean, we've already seen Aaron Rodgers choke in the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that he won't choke again? Right, yeah, no. Uh, and then on top of that, you also have um, the Rams not having a legit quarterback yet. Uh, I mean, Jared Goff, he's a, he's a very good quarterback. Uh, but who's to say that, that, he'll, that he'll even be back next year? Yeah, you no. Know? Yeah, he's had and his ups and downs uh, this year. And then um, sure. Jimmy Garoppolo, same way. He's had his up and down, mm-hmm. up, ups and downs as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to say that, uh, that I'm going to have to say that if Tom Brady loses, he'll come back. And if he wins, I could see him possibly retiring. I would not be surprised. Yeah, no, it would be the perfect time for him to retire on top. Right, right. It's, kind of, it's how right. Ray Lewis went out. It's how John Elway went out. You right, know? The, yeah. um, the perfect ending. Yeah, perfect it's how Peyton ending. Manning went out. Even though he was at really washed up, he still went out on top. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but, but if he does come back, even though that he wins, I would not be surprised either. Yeah, Because no. he might. Listen, he's... Because he... You're right, right. Yeah. He, he might want to increase his legacy even more, and, you know, the, the lore and things right, like yeah, that. Man, for and, sure. You know, r- really be... Considered the Mount Rushmore athlete, so yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's move on to the next one. Is is this game a passing of the torch game, like what Magic Johnson did to MJ in the finals? Oh my God, that's such a, I love that comparison. Yeah, Knights ninety one. That was you know even though Magic obviously unfortunately got sidelined by other stuff with the HIV, um, forcing him into retirement. Um. Yeah, that was such a def- that was such a definitive passing of the torch moment, right? You know, here was Magic that right. off the Showtime Lakers, and now it's it's fully his team because Kareem had retired, and here's this young buck that you know, and Michael that finally got past the Pistons, and and then yeah, you know, that ended up being such a short series, five games, and um, M- MJ took the reins over from the league as far as being its face uh, from that point on. We talked about it, yeah, it could be a passing of the torch game where here's the face of the league and Brady, the champion of so many years, the guy that's one of the more recognizable figures uh, in sports, period, around the globe. And here comes this young stud that's, uh, uh, you know, making a name for himself in, in such fast time and has already established himself as such a megastar. Um, I could definitely see that being the, yeah, if, if Mahomes and the Chiefs pull it off, yeah, it could be. You know, a couple years ago, I thought it was going to be the passing of torch in the AFC Championship game when they faced off there, when Tom was still in New England. Um, but it, it wasn't. You know, there was a lot of reasons for that, obviously. Chiefs, Maybe because of the D4 offsides? Yeah, the, 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 the D4 offsides. The, you know, I was going to say the bad penalties and also the bad defense. And Chiefs' right. defense exactly. was just miserable. Right. Um, but I think if that game wasn't the passing of the torch, maybe this one is. You know, maybe this is the definitive, this is my time now moment. It's kind of like... Um, well, I, I don't want to make this comparison because I'm about to say LeBron is still a recognizable face. And LeBron and Steph are kind of equal in their stardom. Um, but it, it's it's definitely, again, I'll use a hockey reference. You won't get this one, but my, some of my listeners will. The Islanders had a had a great dynasty in the late early 80s. They won four championships in a row. Then came Gretzky and the Oilers. And when the Islanders were going for the 5 P, that's when the Oilers knocked them off and started their own dynasty. And so it could be very well be that. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I think it definitely represents a passing the torch just in terms of the age difference between the two. And, obviously, if the Chiefs win, it cements it. Yeah, I could definitely see it being that way as well. I think that, uh, you know, if the Chiefs win, then it's definitely going to be a passing, passing of the torch moment. You may even see uh, Tom Brady go to go, go, go to congratulate Sure. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's a good sportsman. I can see that. He's never been known as a bad sportsman. That's not true. Well, he's, <laughs> he does he's not been always a bad congratulate sportsman? people. <laughs> he does well, not listen, always he, congratulate people. He congratulated people. Eli. I remember him congratulating Eli. He did? Yeah, in the two times that they faced, up, faced off and Eli won, you know. Did he also congratulate David Tyree? I don't know if he ever saw David Tyree. I think I think he. I know he congratulated Nick Foles too. He did give Nick you know, Foles. No, he did not. No, I probably didn't graduate. Uh, uh, congratulate Tyree. I don't think anybody did. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> On the Patriots side. Good I times. I just had to make a little little dig. Um, but, I don't um, mind. It was, it was a good joke. Yeah, great memories for me. I don't mind. Uh, if Tom Brady wins this, I mean, uh, my fault. Um. If Patrick Mahomes wins this, does it already make him a top 10 quarterback? Yeah, we already did say this. Yeah, it does, for sure. So that brings us yeah. to the last one. Yeah, the last one is, does it, do the Chiefs end up repeating if they do win? It's not a given. And I'll bring up the example of the Niners. The Niners went back-to-back in the late 80s. They won in 88. They also won in 89. They were going for it in 90. And they got as far as the NFC Championship game. Joe Montana uh, brought him as far as that game. And then my New York Giants uh, on the road stopped that. And uh, the Giants went on to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, the infamous Scott Norwood wide right at the end of the game. He missed the field goal, um, of which I think a couple of days ago was the 30th anniversary of that. Um, so it's not a given because teams eventually... We saw this with the Warriors and the Raptors. I don't mean to bring up painful memories for you, but... You know, you saw eventually teams figure you out, you know, and that's not to say they're going to stop you. It's not automatic they're going to stop you, but teams eventually figure out ways to pull even with you, and that makes it a lot harder. It's a lot, it's very hard to stay on top in sports. You talk about dynasties. I mentioned the Oilers just now. That's what makes, I mean, the last true dynasty in in sports was uh, the Yankees in the late 90s. They won four World Series in five years. That's not easy to do. They three-peated from 1998 to 2000. That's not easy to do, but eventually teams figured them out. You know, and they didn't have a run nearly as successful this century. So I think that's the case. Uh, is that to say that they're going to stop them from getting to the Super Bowl? No, because the Warriors were still getting to the finals. Even if they didn't always win the finals, they still got there. But right. eventually, you know, there's a shelf life in sports, and um, I wouldn't say it's a given, you know, but I, I, it, would I bet against it? No. I could see the Chiefs repeating, but I wouldn't say it's 100% certain that it's going to happen. I wouldn't say it's 100% either as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that it's very possible that the Chiefs could get knocked up by anybody next year. Yep. Depending on, you know, um, the team's growth and the organization's growth and how they decide to go about things. Uh, we just spoke about um, the Bills potentially being a threat. Yep. So... You know, but but I wouldn't bet against it either uh, because of how good that the Chiefs organization is, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his team-friendly deal. They mm-hmm. could potentially get anybody to um, to help even more on the defensive end to make them even more elite. 
So, um, so I would not be surprised if the Chiefs do win next year. And, you know, but, but I'm not going to say it's a given. I would not say it's 100% certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like anything in sports, Patrick Mahomes, he could get injured and he could be out for the season. Right. Or Tyreek Hill could get hurt or Travis Kelsey could get hurt or, you know, Andy Reid can, can call up a bad play. Anything can happen. Right. You know? We almost saw that. Patrick Mahomes, you know, he was very close. He's this close to not even playing. Right. Because yeah. of the concussion, you know. And, and yeah. thankfully, his concussion wasn't severe. But imagine if it was. Imagine if he had to stay out for an extended period of time. There's just a lot of what-ifs in sports, period. And nothing's ever a given, as we found out. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So. so in terms of that, yeah, that this concludes what's been a very uh, fun edition of the Mike New Haven podcast and the Miles Ahead podcast. We've done another crossover this one. This one, man, this one's always a lot of fun, man. This one's, it, it's lit. It was as lit as we thought it was going to be. All right, so, yeah, yeah this, this, is our, this has been our recap of the AFC and NFC Championship games, as well as, of course, uh, our preview for Super Bowl 55. So before we get out of here and enjoy our Fridays, uh, let's plug ourselves, bro. Where can the people find you? Uh, people can find me on my Instagram account called Miles Ahead Pod. That's M-I-L-E-S Ahead Pod. I will be talking about mostly the podcast as as well as, you know, s- certain things. I could be a little bit comedic as well, mm-hmm. um, just just in terms of, like, um, giving out stuff on the story or Instagram stories and things like that. Mm-hmm. I have very interesting takes about certain things. but uh, And you could also find me on Twitter as well. I haven't really started using it as as. As of late, but uh, I will start using it soon. Um, let me find the name of it real quick. Yeah, because I'm going to tag you when I tweet out this uh, this uh, podcast. I'm, I'm going to tag you in it. I'm going to tag you. Um, well, I always tag you, but. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just give me a quick second. Yep, and, and in the meantime, uh, while he does that, like I said, uh, Detective Irma Rivera coming up in February, uh, retired NYPD detective, um, first grade, and she'll be my guest. Uh, it, I don't want to say the exact date, but she'll be my guest coming up in February. And I'm okay, excited it's, about okay, it's at Marvin M. McIntyre, but it's it's no R at the end. It's, I mean, it's R at the end. But there's no E at the end. Yeah. And then it's just a number one. Yeah. Let me pull and, it up. Uh, let me pull it up on my Twitter. On my Twitter, so that way I can give the people the exact um, at. That way they know for certain as I search here because I follow you obviously, so I'm, I'm gonna pull it up. Uh, yeah, it is Marvin, which is Marvin's name, M, in, as in his middle initial, and then McIntyre, M C I N T Y R one. That is again. Uh, and Marvin M and then McIntyre M C I N T Y R one. So uh, on that note, I'll plug myself. And then, is there anything else you want to plug, though, bro? And you could also find me on the obviously, uh, you know, Anchor. Uh, you could see me on SoundCloud. Uh, I mean, not SoundCloud, but uh, Apple and uh, Anchor. Uh, Miles Ahead uh, podcast. And uh, I would. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have a great weekend. There will be a review of the Super Bowl. And remember, 
Let's not be inches, feet, meters, nor yards. Let's be miles ahead.